This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Happy Super Mega Super Tuesday the Cubed. I don't know what we're calling it. Super Tuesday the third. Three. What do you mean you don't know? Revisited. You 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 branded this two weeks ago. Well, you, I know, but you filed the trade. But how do you say it appropriately? See, I want it to be mega super Super Tuesday three. Yeah, but this is you need to add so this is it. Now it's not good enough? This is the last stand. So Mega Super Tuesday three. Cubed. Mega Uber Uber, U- Uber. Super Tuesday Cubed. The Uber of Tuesdays. This is the day, folks. This may be it. This is where the wheels on the bus all come off. Except for... Or not. <laughs> I, maybe, I Maybe for Rubio. <clears throat> well, yeah, but... He's so far behind in Florida, there's really no way he's going right. to make inroads that way. But if Trump wins Florida and he wins Ohio... And he wins two or three others. Bye bye. That's three hundred and whatever fifty forty delegates Trump could get today. Add that to his already four fifty. Hmm. Crazy. The neat thing will be to see if Kasich can win Ohio. Can he hold his hometown, his home state? Can he hold his ground? Is Cruz going to do anything today? No. <laughs> I mean, he. Uh, you act like you, you're, you. He's he's behind Rubio in Florida. You behind Kasich and Trump in Ohio. He just wanted to split Florida. See that yeah. Cruz, that little politician. <laughs> that little politician. He just went in and done split Florida right up. Yeah, Rubio says, "Hey, don't vote for me in Ohio. My votes take all my votes. Put them to Kasich." Believe he's the only one saying that, though. I know he is totally. And nobody he, else. He was is... hoping that that would in, insinuate nobody vote for Kasich in Florida, just vote for me. No. Yeah. Everyone's all in for themselves. Man, it's like it's so political. <laughs> it's people. Oh my word, they're so so political. Um, Donald still having some blowback from his uh, his rallies, getting too aggressive. Yes. But apparently not enough blowback to matter. He doesn't seem to care. And I saw some reports in Chicago. Uh, he may have gained some supporters. Did he? After the, after being shut down by the uh, the college students. Well, did you ever see the shot, the video of that old man throwing the elbow? The elbow? There was an old man that threw an elbow when they were taking a guy out that of... That was a fist. No, he, well, there was a guy that did a, a flying elbow. The guy that everyone's talking about, the guy that Trump is looking at possibly covering. Yeah, legal, yeah that guy threw The guy fist. in the stadium? Yeah, no, it was an elbow. Okay, go ahead. Elbow fist, whichever. He contacted the guy yeah, in the it face. Was an elbow. Did you hear what Trump said to do? Put a Trump stake on it. Just put a Trump stake on that swollen eye. Get over it. Trump stake it. Yeah, I hope we're talking about the same guy. It was a flying elbow. It was a it was a all star wrestling move. It's like something you'd see Ben do. 
something you have seen me do. That's right. You know, SNL, Saturday Night Live loves Trump. They would be, they'd be going under right now if this were just a normal, a normal type of uh, political process. No. Next I would time. win an election in the Vatican. <laughs> that, is that Spencer? Spencer Linton. He does his own thing. Hey, Russia's out. They're gone. They're leaving. They're out of Syria. I'm, we've done our job. We did exact. We got what we needed. We're gone. Sort of. Yeah. What does that mean? How do you just? I thought there was a war. Yeah. There's there's peace talk. So he's backing off. This being your good good friend Vlad. Vlad. He's backing off a little bit. See what happens. Mm. He may come rushing back in if the uh, rushing Russia. Mm. Little play on words there. He may be uh, just kind of holding off, and if the peace talks fall apart, he may go back in and try to finish off what he started. But they said they achieved all the goals that they were hoping for, all the military goals. Were any of those goals stated? No. Was one of their goals having a person shot down? Um, No. They just wanted to support the uh, Syrian government, Mm -hmm. and they did that. I think the word is prop up. Hey, it's all a matter of point of view. It's all... I mean, they, they still have support. a they still have a military base there. They're their yeah. navy base, so it's not like they're out of the country. <sighs> you know what we need is Trump. Trump could he'll fix this. it. He'll fix. Well, he knows Vlad. Right? Can't you see the video of those two riding horses on a beach together? Well, no, 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 no. He said he just uh, Vladimir Putin praised him, and and he recognizes leadership qualities when he sees them. Mr. Oh, that's Trump. what you're saying. Is it's I like... not that he's approving or no. they're friends or there's no. some sort of knowledge. I mean, he right. did say that he sat in a green room with them, and then it was later found out that Dean never sat in the green room. They were on the same episode of 60 Minutes. It's just no one's in a green room for 60 Minutes. It's we don't recorded. even have a green room. <laughs> but so it was really Trump was, Trump was lauding his leadership skills. Yes. You can tell he is a strong leader. Well, so was Mussolini. Granted, part of that leadership is allegedly killing people he doesn't like. But that's just, you know, neither here nor there. Radiation poisoning happens in nature. You can't prove that. You can't. Yeah, if you fell upon a nest. Or or the guy in the Washington, D.C. hotel that was beat about the head, foot, body, arm, legs. He just had an accident. Well, he had a serious fall. Yeah, it's fine. There's no connection Really, I mean, there's sort of a connection, but not really. Yeah, with but you the can't. I mean, you Russian can't, government. Don't pin that to Putin. No, just the past history of <sighs> mysterious deaths of people he doesn't like. It just it has no connection. You're right. 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 <laughs> Makes sense. Perfect. Sense. Strong leader. Hey, um, what do you think about uh, Mother Teresa? Is going to be a, be sainted? Huh. I, I personally thought she's always been a saint. Yeah, I mean, with the way she's revered, I don't know why. I don't know why now they've waited. To well, do now it. it's official. They'll oh, make it great. official. They had to, you know, there's requirements. So now she's a saint. Beautiful. That's cool. Sarah Palin's husband's seriously injured. Snowmobiling accident. Snowmobiling or? in yeah. intensive care. That's a big deal. Pulled her away from a Trump rally. She had to leave a Trump rally, which honestly, for her health, great news. Personal safety. Personal safety. Gets to go back up and take care of her husband. That's scary. I mean, that's like real life, right? Like that's you getting a call. Hey, your child's been injured or whatever. You got to get home. Scary. Crazy. Um, There's one more thing I got to bring up. NFL. 
Hold Fine. on, don't do that. Are you talking about that? I will. That's huge. They, yeah. they like admitted in front of a it, hearing. It, don't, don't, you're, you're giving it all away. Sorry. Okay. How am I supposed to do this if no, you tell everyone yeah, what it is? It's just the news. Sorry. Just bringing up the information. It's important. Hey, today is uh, Ides of March. Beware the Ides of March. Et tu brute. Cool. Dead. Julius Caesar. <laughs> Was that Julius Caesar falling down? Uh-huh. Killed by uh, Brutus. And a horde of others. Today's also Brutus Day, which is just to, like, I guess, signify that there are people in in your midst that will stab you in the back metaphorically. Or figuratively. Yeah. Or actually. And as I was looking at Ben, yeah. I just got the chills. That's kind of my thought, too. Ben would be the one to do that. He has nothing to lose. I think Ben lacks 60, the, 60 cents an hour job? Come on. Yeah. Well, he negotiated it. The least suspected? Yeah. Well, you'd actually be the most suspected. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't do it. I actually don't know that he would do it. I don't. It takes a lot of energy to go chase somebody to kill him. How much would I have to chase you? How, I, dude, I move like the wind. Mm, I not move, really. Well, I move like a, a, a warm summer breeze. Like not a, I am the healthiest human ever known to man. Very light <coughs> breeze. Yeah, there you go. I, uh, I move like a light spring You're your exercise induced asthma really kicks in after a while. Yeah, I've been then... going on my walks lately too, so yeah. not to brag, but my legs are feeling the burn. I always imagine it like a, a faulty blow dryer. <laughs> no. That's a good example. It seems like you guys are being rude. A little bit. Whatever. Hey, um, Apple versus the FBI, that's yes. a big deal. But I'm wondering, why should I care if the FBI opens up and forces Apple to start opening up cell phones? I shouldn't care. But today, Neil Weiler will be joining us. He's, he's kind of – he's the white hat uh, coder, behind-the-scenes coder stud that works with all the black hats. We had him on before about all these security breaches with the government and yeah. with health care and – Places like Target and Home Depot and what that means for our, our personal information, if, if that's been compromised, that kind of thing. And now he's talking about uh, what does it mean if the government wants to uh, have get into cell phones, which I guess on one, one sense they can have a warrant and right. walk into your house. Well, so what's, what's the difference between your phone? Yeah. Why, why does that all of a sudden is different except that the problem is the technology exists to where – the companies can't go back and break yeah. it. That's the whole point of the technology, and now the FBI, and now they're like, it's kind of retroactively, they're like, wait, we have to go back and fix that. Well, And, and it might, the, the ship might have sailed on being able to have access through the encryption. But there's another whole weird side to this. The NSA probably could already do it. I think they can. And they just don't want to get involved in right. this whole little scuffle, right? So they're going to just sit back and... So the government probably can already get your data but the fbi is making it a very overt public argument that they apple want, needs to fbi doesn't want to go to a fisa court right. which is that secret court that lets them do mm-hmm. things without publicly acknowledging that it exists and get because those are kind of more involved and difficult yeah. they just want to have the laws set so they can go do it france has just decided they'll probably just fine you they'll just fine you yeah a million dollars to Apple if you don't open the phone. That might not be a bad idea. Yeah. 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll find out. We'll find out from our next guest, Neil Weiler, in a minute. But before we do that, let's get to the headlines with Terry so we can finally hear about the NFL. The NFL. Terry. We'll get to that in a moment. All Florida polls have Donald Trump with a big lead over Marco Rubio. Florida Democratic polls have Hillary Clinton with a large lead over Bernie Sanders. In Ohio, John Kasich either has a five- to six-point lead or is tied with Donald Trump, depending on the poll you go with. For the Democrats, Clinton leads Sanders by five to seven points in most polls, except for the Monmouth poll that has Clinton up by 14 points. That's my favorite poll. I know. The Illinois primary may be close for the Democrats, with Clinton holding a three-point lead on Bernie Sanders. So Mm. you might want to watch Illinois to see if Bernie can get by. Bernie needs another kind of win, or it's just, you know. The other contests, Ohio is probably the one you want to focus on for you know any interest sake because Florida seems to be decided. Republican presidential frontrunner Donald Trump denied Monday that there is much violence at his campaign rallies. The press is now calling this saying, oh, but there is such violence, Trump said during an appearance in North Carolina. Rather than fighting in Chicago, I did something that was a good move, a good decision, because I don't want to see anybody be hurt. And what happened is, and we've been given so much credit for that decision, nobody hurt, nobody, you know, no problem went away. But because of that, people say, well, is there violence? There's no violence. There's love fest. These are love fests. Love fest. Um, I have a different impression of love fest. And yeah. it actually, this bugs me because I use that term mm. for a real love fest. Understood. Physical scuffles and tensions between protesters and supporters have been common at Trump rallies, especially over the past weekend when the candidate canceled his Chicago rally due to protests, which mm. is kind of some fun video if you want to go chase that down <laughs> and watch the chaos. The ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter spacecraft. Pardon? The ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter spacecraft. Yeah. What's Joint, that? A joint effort by the European Space Agency and Russia uh, launched a rocket uh, in which a uh, one manager called it a picture book performance. That's how good the launch was. Its task will involve measuring trace levels of gas in Mars's atmosphere, including methane, which is produced as a waste product by living creatures yeah. and has been detected on Mars before. <gasps> so is there life? There's cows up there walking around. But, quote, other purely geological processes such as the oxidation of certain minerals also release methane. So it might not be life. It might Ah, just be rocks. That's disappointing. Yeah, but they're going to go up there and find out. We need to find some livestock. So so what they're saying, uh, whether scientists will find aliens, alien insects, maybe, piles Mm. of rocks, Probably more likely. Martian meat. Or a full-blown Martian. Probably not. Oh. It's still not clear. The uh, orbiter's first phase of the ExoMars mission, a rover with a drill, is set to be sent to Mars tw- in 2018. It'll take seven months to make the 308-million-mile trip. So, Man. More stuff on Mars. And now the NFL, for what yes. is believed to be the first time ever, a senior NFL official acknowledged Monday that there is a direct link between player playing football and developing degenerative brain disease. Jeff Miller, the NFL's executive vice president for health and safety policy, acknowledged the connection during a roundtable discussion convened by the House Government and Commerce Committee, which has investigated concussions in the military, sports, and other dangerous pursuits. Asked by Representative Jan Schakowsky of Illinois, whether he believes, quote, there is a link between football and degenerative brain disorders, uh, the one that's called CTE that yeah. we've talked about. Miller noted research by Dr. Ann McKee of Boston University saying, certainly Dr. McKee's research shows that a number of retired NFL players were diagnosed with CTE. So the answer to the question is certainly yes. 
Yes. Shakowski, as if surprised by the answer, interrupted to repeat, oh, excuse me, that you said there was a link? And yeah. he went, yeah, sure. There's a link. Oh, he goes, say that again. <laughs> before noting that he is not a doctor. But this would be the first time the NFL has acknowledged a senior NFL official has acknowledged a link between well, but it's like their their sport and brain damage. Yeah, but it's it's just a link. But it's also not his fault. It's not the NFL's fault. No, they but just they're just the only ones making billions on it. It's the cover up aspect for the last twenty twenty five, <laughs> possibly thirty or more years. Yeah, it's not going away, is it? That uh, you know. That's a big deal. Well, interesting news, folks. Uh, We will take a break. When we come back, we're going to be taking on this Apple versus the FBI. Should Apple be forced to, uh, you know, open up this this uh, the security opening on their phone so that the FBI can get in and start looking at the data from uh, the phones from those San Bernardino um, man offenders? Those? Do you remember? How many people died? How much pain? How much sadness? And all they got to do is open the phone so we can find out? Well, there's more behind it, folks. It's not just about a phone. It's about encryption. It's about rights. It's about your future. I mean, eventually, every device in your house could be communicating. And uh, whatever decisions we make now, we're going to be having to use them later. Same laws. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, we all remember the tragic deaths at the hands of the San Bernardino shooters. And uh, following those attacks, the FBI was able to recover the shooter's phone, iPhone, I believe. And uh, they've had uh, a difficult time actually accessing the contents due to the fact that the phone had password and encryption um, set on the phone. So they, they can't get into it. So the FBI and Apple have been in a heated and a heavily publicized battle as Apple, as the FBI seeks Apple's assistance. They basically want, I guess, Apple to open the phone so that they can access uh, the data. Uh, next Wednesday, they will head to court where the decision will be made on whether or not Apple will be forced to comply with the FBI's request. But so what's, what's this all about, really? What is the big deal? So joining us today, we have Neil Weiler, an information security engineer and researcher. Neil is a, a popular speaker at uh, sec, uh, security conferences worldwide, including uh, probably the biggest, Black Hat, DEF CON, and the RSA conference. And he's been on the show before. He helps us uh, understand some of the complex issues behind security um, and technology. Neil, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to have you. What? Okay, explain to us what is the big deal, right? So, is it is it that they just the FBI can't get into the phone because of a simple little code? Uh, what What's really the big deal, and, and and why are the FBI pushing it so hard? Well, essentially, the the FBI doesn't know if they can get into the phone, so they know that. That current version of the iPhone, which is an um, iPhone 5C uh, that Farouk uh, was using, has the potential to be using a couple of 
security features that are user-enabled. Um, but the only way for them to find out whether or not it does is to actually go in there and start trying the passcodes. And if they do, they have the potential to lock themselves out. Mm. So newer um, iPhones, they have a 256-bit device unique key. So every phone has a, a unique key that's stored on the device. And when you put in your password for it, uh, there's an algorithm on the back end that mixes your password with that unique identifier, and it comes up with a passcode key that's for that phone. So when you actually go after the fact, after that initial process of setting that, um, every time you enter your password, that algorithm takes place in the background. It you know, runs through and it mm. says, okay, and now I've created that passcode key again. Does that match what I put in when I initially set my password? And if it does, you get access to the data. And if it doesn't match, then you don't. Okay. Um, so the, what the FBI is dealing with is there's a, there's a feature on, on newer versions of the operating system from iOS 8 uh, and later. It's iOS 9 is what's out right now, uh, where after 10 attempts, that passcode key will be deleted. Hmm. And so you have no ability to check against it after you put in a pass, uh, your password. It will just say, uh, yes, sorry, um, I'm, you know, the data is there, but I can't unlock it. So the data would still be on the phone, but it's going to be encrypted, and there's no way the FBI or anyone else are going to be able to access it, and that's what they're worried about. So what they they don't want to they don't want to you know push it to the limit that they could actually lock it and lose the data, and exactly. and yet um, why wouldn't Apple just acquiesce and say okay here and open it for them? I think it's because we're we're talking about a precedent here. Yeah. And so in the past, uh, Apple actually has helped um, law enforcement unlock phones. So on versions uh, on iOS 7 and earlier, they have been able to help them if there was a, a case dealing, uh, you know, not just with acts of terror like we had uh, in this situation in San Bernardino, but uh, where just law enforcement was trying to unlock it because there was a drug dealer or something like that. They have unlocked the phone in the past. What we have now is a new version of the phone and new versions of software that have greatly enhanced security. And what the FBI is asking Apple to do is to go in there and actually degrade the security hmm. that they've now put into place in order for them to be able to basically roll back the clock to a time when there was less security so that now they can access things as they want to. I see. So it's Apple's complaint is you're you're forcing us to yeah degrade lessen security by uh, putting other accesses other backdoors into the phone. Exactly. So what the FBI is saying and why they're they're um, I guess their side of the story is they're saying look we just want you to unlock this one phone, but that's not what this is no, yeah, about. This, this, this would be about. a precedent. Is, yes, is setting a precedent, and that is not just about setting a precedent for Apple, but this is for all cell phone manufacturers uh, from this time forward. You know, they're saying also, like, hey, look, we're not looking for a master key here. We just want a chance to guess the password in a reasonable time frame. But what they're asking for is the ability to brute force a password. So they want to go in and say, um, 
0001, 0002, 0003, without ever being locked out of the phone. And so、hmm. that is a master key. If you can try every combination、yeah. without ever having to worry about being locked out, then there's already potentially a master key. Okay, yeah. Interesting. So, wh- where does this go? Because isn't there a side of this? It seems like, like the NSA、um, is, is staying out of this completely. It, and it seems like they're staying out of it because they may already have a workaround. That is the speculation, is that the NSA already has a workaround. If we look back at the Snowden documents that were leaked、um, you know, a few years ago, The, the PRISM program essentially forced companies like Apple and Google and Facebook to give them you know, information that, that they didn't want to surrender.、Um, you can see there's、uh, actually a history of court battles going on between some of those companies and the NSA, and then all of them lose in the end,、yeah. and they're forced to give up the information. So Edward Snowden、uh, is, you know, Sending out tweets from Russia where he's saying the NSA can already do this.、Um, and we know that they can do you know, unlocking and more, that、mm-hmm. they also had the ability to turn on the phone's microphone and、yeah. use it as a bug, essentially, and turn on the phone's camera and things like that. So people are worried about that、uh, because what Apple has done in the time since then is basically make the technology secure enough that they can. Reasonably say the only way we could provide that information to you is if you forced us to make our product work.、Mm. And, and, so. and they went so public.、Uh, it seems like a lot of this would have been handled better behind closed doors because, right? It's、um, it, wh- why so public? Why did Apple choose to, to go so public, or was it the FBI that went so public about this fight? I think because. It, the, the story changed. It went from we want you to unlock a phone or we want you to unlock、uh, you know, this phone here because of this case to,、uh, and, and them having the technological means to do so to hey, you have now made this more difficult on us. We want you to write us something that weakens. The, the your security、system. on your phone, and that will allow、hmm. us to be able to do this again. So, one of the other things that the FBI wants to have Apple do beyond just removing that 10 password, 10 tries, is that when you're, when you're actually putting in your password and it goes and does that check and it says, okay, does, does the、um, passcode key match, that takes about 80 milliseconds,、hmm. which Sounds like no time at all to us.、Um, right. But to a computer, it's kind of a long time. It means that you can only try a password once, you know, or、uh, what would it be? About nine to ten times a second. Again, that seems kind of like a lot, you know, ten times a second. But what the FBI wants to do is try it thousands of times a second. And so if you're forced to try it every 80 milliseconds or nine to ten times a second, you're talking about if there is a, a six. Digit or six character, which is the default now for the new versions、um, of iOS, it means it would take them up to five and a half years. Oh, wow. To, to brute force. To, to break it, yeah. You know, that, that password. And so they're co- going and saying, hey, 
we need you to make that time significantly shorter for mm. us and also remove the ability for the phone to lock itself out. So they are asking for a master key. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it would yeah. be a master key to everyone's phone. Well, and it's yeah, it seems like a completely different game now. Neil, hang on a sec. Let's take a break and come back. I want to talk about, uh, you know, what is the responsibility of technology companies, Apple, Google, and others, to support um, police endeavors and protecting of, of the citizenry. Also want to find out internationally. I mean, I know in France is having similar issues, and they're, they're just going to fine, uh, start fining Apple, I guess, and other companies that won't help. We'll talk about that. We're speaking with Neil Weiler. Uh, he's an information security engineer and researcher. He's a well-known speaker in the field at security conferences worldwide. And he's uh, helping us understand this complex issue between the FBI and Apple. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it's a complicated issue. Uh, what responsibility does Apple and uh, their technology have to the United States security and to protection of homeland? Because also Google, also any company, Samsung, should they, should they have to create workarounds for the government to access data. I mean, one of the selling points of these devices is, you know, that they're secure. They're encrypted, that people can't get in and start stealing your information. Isn't that their responsibility? Isn't Apple's responsibility to its consumer or to the country or to both? And how do you do both? Well, on the phone with us is Neil Weiler. Neil is an information security engineer and a researcher. He's helping us understand the, uh, the the really confusing issues around the Apple versus FBI case that's going on. A judge will be making a decision on whether or not Apple will be forced, I guess, to, to do a workaround um, and open up this phone from the San Bernardino shooters. Uh, and, and Neil's here to help us make sense of it. Neil, thank you so much again for being with us. No problem. What do you think? I mean, is there these – these companies are trying to create devices that are safe for their consumers. They're, they're – you know, they have a financial motive. They um, – is there, is there a happy medium where they can create enough security but still have access for government? Or do they just want to completely avoid giving access to government? Well, I think that's the thing is it, at, at face value it looks like – it should be a very black and white thing. You're like, well, we don't like bad guys. Right. right. So we want to help law enforcement catch the bad guys. And so, um, yeah, it seems like everybody goes, why, are, why aren't they helping them? Of course Apple needs to unlock this phone. This makes America safer? Right. Well, yeah, then, then yes. Tell do them it. they have to do it, you know? Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's everybody's gut reaction. But when you... When you continue the conversation with people and you say, okay, that's fine, but here's the thing. 
it's actually going to weaken the product. And that means that your information as well becomes less secure. So it's less secure not just for the government or for law enforcement, but malicious hackers or, um, you know, this could affect people in, in other countries as well. They, they suddenly stop and think about what's on their phones, their banking information, their personal and private data, and they immediately go, oh, well, I don't like that. I don't, I don't right. want my phone to be weaker. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not a criminal, so why, why does my phone have to be weaker? Let's just do that for the criminals. And that's the thing. It, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. If, if this happens, this is something that is going to affect the way that security is implemented on mobile devices around the world. And so there are agencies all over the world watching how this is going to shake out. And if Apple loses, then we all lose. Hmm. You know, all cell phone manufacturers are going to be dealing with a precedent that says, you must allow a backdoor into the data of your users. And so if that data, if, if that door exists and that data is, uh, is made more readily available, it's not just going to be more readily available for the U.S. government. It's going to be all governments. Mm -hmm. So not everybody lives in the land of the free. That's that true, huh? That, you know, if somebody is, uh, you know, maybe speaking out against uh, the Chinese government, they're... They're a target. That government says this is data that we need to look at, and that person disappears in the night. Like mm -hmm. there are governments that exist in this world where that still happens, and if those governments know that this door is open, well, they're going to go looking for it, and they're not going to be the only ones looking for it. The criminal organizations will be looking for it. Malicious hackers will be looking for it, and they're going to find it. And so if, if they had, I mean, I guess uh, one of the workarounds, if, if they had been tracking the San Bernardino shooters, then, uh, you know, you probably would have had, uh, you know, a la Edward Snowden's uh, information. We, we probably would have been aggregating other information on their phones while they were tracking them. They would have been picking up calls, messages, text messages, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's correct. But, and but, not only that, but yeah. this was the a this what we're talking about is his company phone, so right? Farouk's company phone, and so they they could have received the permission of the county, um, you know, and and made changes at that point, or they could have, um, which by the way they did. They do have some data. Hmm. They have the iCloud backups from the phone. The FBI immediately. Um, received the uh, the ability from the county because they were the owners of the actual phone to uh, change the password on the iCloud backups from this phone, and so they did that. They immediately changed the password, accessed the data was on there. So what we're talking about is a window of a couple of weeks where the most recent backup from the phone yeah. hadn't been made. Yeah, they probably so, want to see what was going on the day before. Yeah, recently, yeah. Exactly. Hmm. So in the in the hours leading up to the um, you know, the event, they're saying what took place, is there something else, is there anything else that we need to be worried about? Um, but they they're not flying as blind here as they're making it. Right. Sound, do so. you sense do you sense this is going to head this is going to be more in favor of Apple or the FBI? Do you have any idea on that? Um, 
who's going to win. Yeah. I actually, I don't know. I hope that it's Apple because I still um, believe in privacy and, and um, you know, the, the freedom to protect your own data. And as uh, an information security professional, like I, I think security should always get better and never worse. Mm. Um, and so I hope that it's Apple. And I, and I like that at least this conversation is happening in the public light. You know, people want the conversation to happen behind closed doors. And I think it's important that it doesn't happen behind closed doors. The American public should understand what this means and what it means for the future uh, for who knows how many years. I guess that's the point, too, right? That, like you brought up, this isn't just for the U.S. This is for every country that is uh, that Apple is placing a phone or Samsung is placing a phone or Motorola. These are these are global decisions. So if we're going to open up people's access to their phones in the United States, it's got to be it's also going to be in the Middle East. It's going to be in every country. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it is better to just keep it tight, keep them. I mean, I, I still would assume that uh, the the NSA and other organizations are getting information, and there are workarounds, but they're more, I guess they're 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 hidden. <laughs> you don't know certain things, but it also would demand going to certain courts, getting certain permits and permissions to do it. Is there what could we do just uh, as an average Joe Neil? When you think about just the average person. I'm assuming a lot of us are being hacked and and having problems simply because we're ignorant. Well, I mean, the thing is, the the companies out there, companies like Apple, are trying to make this easier on consumers, trying to make security easier. And so adding things like built-in encryption that's just there, it's on the phone, so that when you use one of their devices, your data is protected. Um, from everybody, and again, it's not. It's, this is not a question of like only people who have something to hide need to have encryption and passwords. Um, even when you don't have anything to hide, you still like privacy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have anything to hide, but I still close my blinds at night. You know? so, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So it's um, it's really, it's just about privacy at, you know, at an individual level, and I know it might sound dramatic, but going back to those different governments uh, around the world, it's like this is a, this is a life and death decision for someone out mm-hmm. there. You know, there, are, there are people who you know, are trying to affect change in, in countries where they live under a, you know, an oppressive regime or something like that, where now is, if, if they look at the United States and we say, we're willing to do these things in order to to get our citizens' data, then it's very easy for those countries to say, well, look, if the United States is doing it, you know, the land of the free, stars and stripes and, you know, bald eagles and all of that, then, you know, you have no right to even look at us sideways when we ask to do it to our citizens. Right. Oh, man. Well, that's I think that's great insight. And this decision goes down, and uh, I guess we'll find out about it next week. Um, interestingly, it goes, I guess, it, it it will be decided, is it the same day that Apple does their big release conference where they're going to be releasing some new device or some new upgrade? Yeah, Apple's actually doing that um, one day prior, I believe, <laughs> to the... Um, 
to this um, this decision, this court case. And so uh, this is absolutely a a move on Apple's part to say, um, hey, everybody, I'll, I would be shocked if this issue doesn't come up when they do that. But again, they were fighting these battles against the NSA behind closed doors, and it didn't work for them. Mm. So I think now, um, because of the way that things have changed and how Americans didn't really respond well to the revelations about what the NSA was looking at domestically, uh, they're trying to make sure that Americans are aware of what's happening and have a voice. Mm, Great stuff. Well, I mean, it's the battle, isn't it? And everybody, we just want everybody informed. Don't think that Apple's being belligerent or, I mean, this is a real issue that has, uh, like you said, this is creating uh, precedence. So we've got to watch out. Neil Weiler, thank you so much again. What's the website where they can go find you and get more information about what you're doing? Um, So... I guess uh, there's several, but I mean, if they're if they're looking here locally in Utah, uh, then they can look at DC801 or 801.org um, or 801labs.org, and that is um, that's a local hacker space here in Salt Lake City. So if they actually want to come out and hang out with us and talk about security and privacy and maybe learn a few things, then uh, then they're welcome to come join us. That's cool stuff, Neil Weiler. Thank you so much. Take hey, care. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Keep it safe. Always. Keep everything locked in safe. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, And when you just talk to Neil, you hear all of these stories and things. We're so naive to what can be done and and is being done that, um, you know, we we can be safer. And we we ought to be, right? We ought to protect ourselves and our interests. Uh, We'll take a break, folks. Come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you... uh, Live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it's it really is crazy. It's a secret. It, there's so many secrets and hidden mysteries to life. But one of the greatest hidden mysteries is when your child puts something up their nose and you can't figure out how it got there. This story, Terry handed me a story that reminded us both of Ben. A girl five blows a safety pin out of her nose after six months of having a mystery illness. I don't know why it reminded us of you, Ben. But a California five-year-old suffered a mysterious runny nose for six months. Weird. She's just had the weirdest runny nose. And he managed to blow out the cause of that runny nose, a one and a half inch long safety pin. That's a big safety pin. That is a, for a little girl. Caitlin Powell said three different doctors determined her five-year-old daughter, Chloe Russell, was suffering from sinus infections and prescribed antibiotics. About six months ago, her nose just started running out one uh, out of uh, one side. Not to get graphic, but green, 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 constantly. Stinky, so infection probably, right? She has an infection. The mother said the, the answer finally came last weekend when her brother, Chloe's uncle, 
uh, had the uh, uh, her brother, Chloe's uncle, had the girl blow her nose. My brother was like, your nose is disgusting. Blow your nose. Blow your nose. And she blows it, and out comes a safety pin. I mean, every parent has had to get something out of their child's nose. Ben, did you ever put anything up your nose? Yeah, I usually stuck with the half-inch safety pins. Yeah. Those They're were kind of my out. realm. Well, yeah. <laughs> They're... They're easier to get out. The half-inch safety pin, that's a harder one to get out. We've, I've had a child uh, stick um, frog-eye noodles. Have you ever seen those? They're just like frog-eye salad, just little tiny noodles up her nose. And it's hard to – like out of a one-year-old's nose, it's hard to get a noodle out of a kid's nose. you got to strap them down. You got to strap him down. I tried to get it and, you know, because I'm a doctor. I just figured out the easiest way. You just tried to get it out through counseling and... I just watched her breathing and I saw her take a big breath in and then I just covered her mouth. (laughs) And she started being weirded out and just shot this little noodle out. Parenting, you're not expecting this. You're not trained for this. They don't send you to a class where, okay, we will now remove something from a child's nose. We will now learn how to <laughs> pull a safety pin out of the child's nose. Last week was fry- frog eye noodles. <laughs> Can you imagine how horrified you'd be as a mother? I mean, what kind of mother lets her child put a pin up her nose? And then think of that, six months of infection, and that's a lot of suffering. No safety in that pen, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> ben, we're here to help you become a better dad. Yep, that's far in the future, but... I knew a kid that put a chocolate chip up his nose. That seems like a good idea, though. How? It has value when you take it out. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. He's like, the mom's like, did you put something up your nose? He's got this brown drainage. No. (laughs) Did you put a a chocolate chip up your nose? No, didn't. Don't know what's in my nose. The kid was 18. Totally weird. These kids nowadays. Uh, That is the first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. We talked about mysteries, whether it was the mystery of the Apple phone and all the technology and encryption behind it, Or just a one and a half inch safety pin up a five year old girl's nose. Either way, you're getting the information you need to live longer, love stronger. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. This is the show where we give you the information, the tools you need to live a healthier, happier life. Today, beware the Ides of March. It's March 15th. Wasn't a good day for a few people back in the day. This is the day 
Julius Caesar died in 44 BC, assassinated. Allegedly. <laughs> we weren't there. Allegedly assassinated. But history would say they covered it pretty closely. I wonder if they were having iPhone issues, security issues back in the day. Um, I doubt it. The death of Caesar made the Ides of March a turning point in Roman history as one of the events that marked the transition from the historical period known as the Roman Republic to the Roman Empire. You take out Julius Caesar and by a buddy, by the way. It's also Brutus Day. Brutus, you know, is also it's we're trying to focus on the fact that betrayal, backstabbing, dirty politics aren't just a thing of the past. They still happen today. So you got to be careful. Watch out. Watch your back. Avoid office politics. Look out for your friends. I'm going to look out for Ben. Make sure that he doesn't have any problems. Anyway. I could just end up stabbing you in the back, though. Why would you do that? Just, you can't seems, be too careful. Seems quite violent. I could be your Brutus. Et tu Brute? Si, senor. I don't think it's Spanish. Oh. It's, uh, it's, it's not Spanish. That's crazy. What are you thinking? Um, crazy stuff going on in, in uh, today. Today is the big super mega Tuesday the 3rd. This is the day of reckoning for many of the candidates. Uh, you know, now up today, Florida, Ohio, Missouri, North Carolina, Illinois. They're all up for grabs. They're all up for bid. And uh, if you are in any of these states, take it seriously, folks. Take it seriously. Uh, in the GOP, um, this could be if Donald Trump d- does a run on all of these uh, these states, it's over, right? He'll, I mean, it's not over, over, but he's got a pretty good lead and something that probably won't be able to be recovered from. It's also um, a, a place where you know people are trying to hold their own. Kasich is trying to hold down Ohio. If he can keep that win to himself, if Rubio could hold Florida, then a lot of them believe they could hold Trump off all the way to the convention. And then at the convention, there would be a crazy, ugly, weird fight. So we are going to to be covering it tomorrow. Our own, um, our own uh, Washington insider, Joe Cannon, will be joining us. He'll be walking us through. The results and, you know, what it all means. A lot of people, Trump's, again, you love him or you hate him, but he's 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 doing pretty well. He could run the table today. Don't you think, Ter? Yeah, I mean, he could, and I know a lot of people are, uh, what's the best way to put it, leery? Mm-hmm. But I, I think people are, clo- are are starting to embrace the fact that this is going to happen. Really? Yeah. They're they're starting to, they're 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 getting used to it. Holy cow! Well, you start at first. You started hearing the quote unquote establishment Republicans, yeah, trying to think of some way to derail him. Right? They wanted to get Rubio to tell his supporters in Ohio vote Kasich, and Kasich supporters in Ohio vote Rubio in Florida, so we can try to derail him. But that's not working. No. And so the next step is. 
you know, then do you find some weird math way after Ohio and Florida, which really there is no way to try to bump them, you know, bump Trump out of the way at the convention. But if you do that, then you take off everyone that's voting Republican right? because they just went through this whole process for nothing. And then the people in charge come in and just do what they want anyways. And so there's no voice of the people here. Right. And so at some point, you're just going to have to accept that Trump's the guy. Then you start hearing like, okay, Trump's there. Now we have to mitigate his influence on the Senate votes so we don't change what the Republican Party is because, you know, Trump's not really Republican. He's got these different ideas. We'll just kind of marginalize him, you know, the president, yeah, of the, yeah. our, our candidate for president. And we'll focus on and it's, At some point, they have to just embrace that he's the guy. Man. And slowly over time, it seems like they're getting... They're I get, guess used to the concept. Yeah, I guess they're getting. Yeah, they're they're it's getting the, used to it. It's the hold your nose and uh, go but, with the party. I know, but then all of a the sudden, there's all of these people that are are fighting against him. There's these major, um, you know, groups that are the super PACs that the, are trying to. Yeah, so the super PACs are trying to beat him on one end, and people have rallies to that hate his intolerance on the other side. Yeah. But I think it's too far into the process to stop him. No, right. He has a too big of a big of a lead. It looks like he's going to win Florida. Ohio is in question, but it, you know, everything yeah. that's been in question has kind of gone his way. It seems like so. He's. We'll see what happens tonight. Well, uh, it's crazy. Again, you, a lot of people don't love him. No, but there are quite a few people that do. That do, and the interesting thing is, he is drawing people. From, you know, working class Democrats are voting for him like crazy. It's a big deal. So when he says he does bring more people to the party that haven't been in the party before, that's happening. But it's also there's a lot of rhetoric, right? And people are thinking, is he just is he just too racist to make this happen? Anyway, it's um, it's crazy. It's this is the weirdest political season I think we've had in, in many, many, many years. But uh, do not do not despair, folks, because in a few minutes we have a great guest coming up. I'm sure you've heard of him, Brian Tracy. Um, he is he is one of uh, he's a renowned author, speaker, and trainer, teacher. He speaks to about 250,000 people in just keynotes a year, which is unheard of. But uh, through all of his other systems, he's really addressing more than 5 million people a, a year in 69 countries. He's, he's everywhere. He's an author, and he's going to be talking to us about a new book, Get Smart, How to Think and Act Like the Most Successful, Highest Paid People in Every Field. It's a big deal. Brian Tracy will be joining us in just a few minutes to give us his insight in how to become a better person and, and how to put it out there a little bit more, how to, how to get your information out there. So we'll get to that. But before we do, let's get to Terry. Find out what's going on in the rest of the world. Terry? Just to kind of recap what we've been talking about, Super Tuesday, both Republican and Democrat candidates will focus on Florida and Ohio tonight. Other contests today, Illinois, Missouri, and North Carolina. Hillary Clinton, substantial leads in all primaries except for Illinois. Donald Trump has a lead in all the Republican contests except in Ohio, where Governor, Governor John Kasich is making a challenge. Kasich, not a fan of Trump's form of politics. Well, I think that when you run a campaign where you're dividing one against another, we're making these incendiary comments at a rally. That's a toxic environment. It's, it's not healthy. 
Senator Ted Cruz wants you to know there's a definite limit to his support for Donald Trump should he win the Republican presidential nomination. He says, I can give you one example where I would no longer support Donald Trump, Cruz told reporters Monday. For example, if he were to go out on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, I would not be willing to support Donald Trump at that point. So anything (laughs) short of murder. Okay, so we got that clear. Ted Cruz is on board, apparently. Uh, A Maryland plainclothes detective was killed by a fellow officer in a gunfire that erupted when a man with a history of mental illness began shooting outside a police station, and his two brothers videotaped the action. We talked about this story yesterday, Matt. All three brothers were were in custody on Monday and were facing murder charges and other counts in the fatal shooting of Prince George County Police Officer First Class Ja'Kai Colson, 28, who was off-duty at the time. And when he was shot Sunday, Colson fired back almost immediately, ending up drawing fire, giving up other officers a chance to get into position. Police officials say preliminary evidence shows that the officer was hit by another police officer's bullet. Ooh. He was caught in some crossfire. Uh, so kind of a downer sad. on that one there. New York City Public Schools have been evaluating students' weight on their report cards for decades, including a BMI number, a weight percentile, and a designation indicating whether they're at a healthy weight or not. Mm. That hasn't helped students lose weight. A uh, a Proceedings of National Academy of Science study out Monday shows, in fact, the average overweight girl gained more weight than her lighter peers. So the the program of including that on their report cards didn't work. Yeah. Well, duh. Would you want that on your kid's report card? No. It seems kind of an odd thing to include. Uh, She's gaining weight and she doesn't talk to people and her math scores are dismal. Would that be – would the kids see that as kind of shaming type of thing? I mean, yeah. they know they're they're big. Right. I mean, there's no way around it. You're you're who you are. Well, but and how does that – I don't know why that would be connected to learning. Is it to help the parents understand what's going on with their kids? Yeah, maybe, yeah. But it, So maybe what we ought to do then instead is have these kids go to – have every kid be che- have a checkup. Yeah. I don't by know. a health nurse. Just putting a BMI number on their report card. I mean, that's... Seems kind of odd. Yeah, the BMI, I, I, we've I've already heard that beat for up quite too. a while. Right. Uh, and finally, the U.S. and South Korean militaries are reportedly keeping close tabs on the search for a North Korean submarine believed to have sunk, according to South Korean media. The U.S. Naval Institute quoted an American official on Friday as saying the sub was presumed to have sunk. They're not sure if it indeed has. The submarine was a 70-ton Yugo-class sub. <laughs> That's what caught my eye. It's a Yugo sub. Well, the Yugos sunk a long time ago. Usually used by the North to infiltrate enemy lines on, on espionage op- operations. Uh, according to a BBC report, the vessel had been on the Korean coast for several days when it disappeared. The vessel can only carry about eight people. And according to the other reports, they are really old and not necessarily maintained well. Oh, my heavens. So we may have some. Uh, we lost a sub. <laughs> Well, we didn't. A Yugo sub, no. But a, can you imagine? Oh, boy. That would not fly here. You could not name a sub a Yugo and no. expect people to get in it. Mm-mm. Yeah, you couldn't. No. It's like the K car. Do you remember the Reliant K yes. car? There's just, there's certain things that, eh. Reliant K. A, you, a, a Yugo on land is one thing. Yeah. But a Yugo underwater? Eh. You go underwater? We all go underwater. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. We're going to take a break, folks. Uh, have a wonderful guest coming up. Brian Tracy. You may have heard of him. He's a, a speaker and chairman of uh, Brian Tracy International, and he specializes in training and development of individuals and organizations. If you've been in corporate America, you know, at any time, you've probably heard of Brian Tracy. He's out there speaking and doing a lot of work 
trying to pick up the game of of the of employees um, you know getting better results today he'll be talking to us about a new book that he's just recently released um, called Get Smart How to Think and Act Like the Most Successful and Highest Paid People in Every Field. It's basically about rewiring your thinking, how to think smart. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, in business and in life, you must be smart to get ahead, right? As things shift and change quickly, you need to tap into your brain, learn how to think smartly in order to make sure that you maximize your opportunities. Well, who better to teach us about this than Brian Tracy? He's the chairman and CEO of Brian Tracy International, a company specializing in training and development. Over the years, he's trained and uh, and influenced millions and millions of lives. He has over 70 books and uh, has uh, spoken for 30-plus years. He happens to be one of the best-known trainers and educators in, I think, uh, I, I really truly believe, in corporate America and um, and in the world. We're honored to have him on the phone with us today. Brian Tracy has a new book that's out called Get Smart, How to Think and Act Like the Most Successful and Highest Paid People in Every Field. Brian Tracy, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be with you. You bet. Great to have you. And talk about this new book you're releasing today, Get Smart. Well, you know, I, I had a poor, came from a poor background. I didn't graduate from high school, and I washed dishes and worked in construction. I was working on a farm when I was 23, mm. and then I started to ask, why is it that some people are more successful than others? And it started me off on a lifelong quest, and what I found was that they just simply thought differently. It wasn't as if they started off with different, a different brain. Everybody's got the same brain going back 100,000 years, but people used it. Now, one of the great breakthroughs in the last few years in, in what they call neuroscience is neuroplasticity, which means that your brain is constantly changing based on the material you feed into it. Right. It's like your body changes if you eat different foods. Well, if you start to think differently and you start to think like successful people, you start to make different choices and get different results, which sort of reinforces that. It causes what are called new, new neural pathways. Is more and more you start to think the way other successful people think. Like we have in our society, we have serial entrepreneurs. We have people who start business after business after business. Richard Branson has started 82 successful businesses. Mm. How on earth can one person do that? Most of us can't make one business <laughs> successful. That's well, so what true. they've done is they've just created a series of neural patterns that enables them to recognize a business opportunity and then to find the right people who can help him to realize that business opportunity. So, so, so entrepreneurial thinking, which is one of the ten chapters, is just the way people think like this. They see business opportunities everywhere. Well, another way of thinking is, is long-term thinking. They, is they have long-term goals. And then they have short-term plans. And so every day, minute of every day, they're working on their most important goals. And they accomplish ten times as much as other people. And these are all just ways of thinking. Isn't that I, interesting? I summarize yeah, go a ahead. lifetime of stuff in my book. It's because there, we, it's not like a get-rich-quick get thing. It's, but there are things that healthy, successful 
high-paid people are doing, and they're probably the things that the rest of us aren't doing, you know, like yes. like and, thinking and, long-term. Yes, exactly. Well, like in business, for example, uh, they've spent millions of dollars to determine the reasons for business success and business failure. And what they found is it all boils down to one thing. Businesses are successful because of high sales. Businesses fail <laughs> because of low sales. And everything else is commentary. Everything else leads up or leads away. And so what do successful businesses do from IBM all the way down is they focus on sales all day long. Right. What do most small business people do? They play with their Internet, mm-hmm. and their phones, and their text messages all day long. You know, the average, the average small business owner spends 11% of their time in actual sales and marketing, and the other and 89% of their time doing stuff that does not contribute any revenues to the business. And then they wonder why they're struggling all the time. Yeah. Well, the answer is, go out and talk to customers all day long. What? I don't want to do that. (laughs) I'm too busy making the widget that I don't have time to go focus on my sales. Yeah, and I'm too busy sending an email. (laughs) We we, we say that, we say social networking is social not working. It's so true. It really is. And and that that seems like a no-brainer, Brian, but it's, but it's... Do it. I guess that's the thing is these are these are thought patterns that I guess we could eventually create these new neural pathways to. But I've, yeah. then, I've still got to go do it, don't I? Yep. I, I, one of my clients started with two guys on a kitchen table with an idea. And they'd all been fired from a company, and, but they still had the customers because they'd sold the company in business services. So they said, what are we going to do? And they said, well, let's start a new company selling the same services and go back to the customers that we had sold to and have them come to our new company. And so they got around the kitchen table and they saw how we're going to do this. We'll all go out and call on them. And they did. Today it's got a $4 billion business with 4,000 employees nationwide. It flies around in a private jet. And I asked him what the secret of his success is calling on customers. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That's so deep. It, it seems like, anyway, yeah. that's one chapter. Right. That's one chapter. But we talk that many, we find it that one kind, small twist in your thinking can totally transform your life. One of my favorite chapters is called Goal-Oriented Thinking versus Reaction-Oriented Thinking. Is people who are goal-oriented, who are very clear about what they want to accomplish and they have plans to achieve it and they work on them every day, automatically accomplish 10 times as much as people without goals. Hmm. And when they did, did this recent study on rich people, they say 85% of rich people have one big goal that they work on every day. Only 3% of poor people have a big goal, and they don't work on it all the time. So yeah. you just have to decide. Do I want to be a rich person or a poor person? Well, if you want to be a rich person, no guarantee you're going to become wealthy, but at least you're going to make a lot more money than if you do the things that poor people do. Right. And the world is full of people doing the things that poor people do, and they're wondering why they're not getting better financial results. Right. And, and again, our minds spread too, uh, spread too far out. We're not, we're not focused on the one thing, and we're not selling, and we don't have the entrepreneurial vision, and we don't think long-term. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it kind of then implodes on itself, doesn't it? It seems like some of these would kind of strengthen the next chapter that you that you talk about all of these can kind of work together everything everything works together and the wonderful thing is if you think clearly about who you are and what you want then you get better results when you get better results you feel happy you feel powerful you feel in control of your life you have high self-esteem you feel like a winner and so you are internally motivated to do more good things yeah 
develop greater clarity about your goals, to start earlier, to work harder, to finish your tasks. You know, I've, I'm the best-selling author in the world on time management as well. And, and I came to a conclusion after 30 years that all business success comes from task completion. And yeah. I, thought, I, I sat down and said, geez, I said, geez, that's a neat thought. Task completion. It's not task working on. It's not task thinking about. It's task completion. It's people who are successful are people who complete their tasks. Well, if that's the case, and everybody automatically recognizes that that's true, by the way, your whole reputation in business is determined by whether or not you're t- you complete tasks. If you do, you're highly respected and esteemed and well-paid, and if you don't, you're not. So then if that's the case, then what you have to do is say, all right, then the more important the task is that I complete, the more successful I will be. Oh, wow, this is deep. Hmm. So you organize <laughs> your day each day, and you say, of all the things I could do today, what is the most important task that I could start and finish? And then you start on that task, and you work only on that task until it's done, and you don't do anything else. We say, don't check your email in the morning. Don't come to work and turn on your email. Leave it off until you finish your first and most important task. That simple strategy, which is a thinking strategy, and then a discipline strategy, will transform your life. That's great. Great advice. Uh, and, and we're learning, really, I, at, the, at the feet, I guess, of a master. Brian Tracy's been doing this for 30-plus years, influencing millions and millions of lives. He's got a new book out, Get Smart. We'll take a break, come back, and continue this discussion with Brian. Find out some more solutions, some more tools. What are the keys to think and act like uh, the successful, most successful, highest-paid people in the world? They just think differently. And uh, wouldn't it be great to incorporate some of those thoughts into your life? We'll take a break. Stick with us, folks. More with Brian after the break. to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, honored today to have a wonderful guest um, joining us. Brian Tracy is his name. Honestly, 30 years plus in the field of economics and history. He's been studying all of this business, philosophy, psychology, 70 books he's written. Uh, many, many, many of them top-selling books. He has more than 300 audio and video learning programs and uh, including, you know, a best-selling psychology of achievement, which has been translated into more than 28 languages. Uh, Brian um, also was the chief operating officer of a $265 million development company, and he also has founded his own company, Brian Tracy International. Brian, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Good to have you. And this new book that is out, um, it's it sounds like... I mean, A, you're obviously passionate about it, but you're basically just teaching us more about how to get our brain uh, to create some new neural pathways, some new habits, and you're taking the ideas from, like, the most successful people or highest paid people. But the idea—so let's say somebody runs a charity and they're not into making money, but but every one of these principles would make their charity just as valuable and productive. Now, I, I do a lot of work with charities on their boards and strategic planning. And a charity is not a nonprofit. Right. A charity has to earn a profit, which is an, a revenues in excess of expenditures, in order to survive. 
So people say, well, we're a nonprofit. We're not into profits. You, of course you are. Yeah, to survive you, you are. distribute them to shareholders. That's right. And so, so, so you have to offer much greater value than your costs, or you go out of business. And I've worked with charities who have gone out of business because they had this sort of elevated idea that I'm, I'm saintly, I'm good, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a fine person, I don't dirty my hands with this, this money thing. Of course you do. Right. The, the heads of most charities that I work with spent almost all of their time fundraising, going around and asking people, please give me money. Yeah. And in business, you know, the, 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 I, I say to my, my audiences, I say, the business of business is asking people for their money, saying, please give me your money. And then they, they ask you, why? And you have to give them a good reason. So you have to say, give me your money because. And if your, money, if your reason is good, well, then they'll give you the money. If your reason is not good, then they'll say, no, let me think about it. I'm not interested. But that's all business people do is ask people to give that's me right. your money. And that's what, that's what nonprofits do. That's right. And the critical thing is the reason. So a really good, a good, really good business gives a really good reason so that the person they're asking for says, I want that. I want that product. I like that. That sounds good. I will mo- I'd be more than willing to give you my money for that product. So that's the entire essence of modern business. And, and if you can do that consistently, repetitively, in, as some of your chapters, in a very goal-oriented way, asking for it, looking for, out for the long term, uh, I guess, enter- or recreating your products, um, this can go on forever. Yeah, so like we have two two chapters. One is called entrepreneurial thinking versus corporate thinking, you know, bureaucratic thinking. The other is rich thinking versus poor thinking. Now, in in both cases, what does the entrepreneur do? The entrepreneur looks for an opportunity to serve customers with a product or service better than anybody else is currently doing, at a at a reasonable cost. Rich people are always looking for the same thing: is they're looking how can I serve more people? How how can I combine my resources to create a product. Look at Richard Branson. You know, he started, uh, eight, he started 85 businesses, three of which didn't work. 82 <laughs> worked. And he starts airlines, and he starts record stores, and he starts book labels, and he starts uh, all kinds of different businesses. I, I was in South Africa recently, and they have, they've got what is called virgin health clubs. Hmm. And they are the elite health clubs with gyms and pools and everything else. And they're all over the country, virgin health clubs. It was just a Branson idea. So what does he do? He looks at the market. He says, where is there an opportunity to serve people better, more efficiently, maybe most co- more cost-effective than they are being served today? Hmm. And if you look at your world like that, is how can I serve more people better? It that's, really That's what it's about. It's service to others. Yes. It's the key to wealth. It's the key to, it's the key to successful business. I, 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 I've often thought of, of writing an article or a book called ER, and ER is basically says, well, it's the key to success in business. Well, what does ER stand for? So, well, if you want to sell uh, to a prospect, you have to make them happy. Okay? That's yeah. the key to business success is, is customer satisfaction, happy customers. But then your competitors come along, and they want your uh, customer as well. So how do they get their customer? They make them happier. Hmm. And so how do you make your customers happier than your competitors? Well, you have to do it faster, better, cheaper, <laughs> yeah. more convenient. <laughs> yeah. In other words, ER is the key to success in business. You have to, you have to dominate the ER. <laughs> and, and you think of it like that, and it's really quite funny. That really is, but it's true, true, huh? Yeah, it's absolutely true. Hey, Customers as, are very selfish. As we, uh, who, oh, go ahead, go ahead. 
Well, they go to anybody who will treat, who will take care of them better than someone else. Yeah, is um, Brian? You've in business. You, you've been so successful, but you've also seen so many people. Um, we've only got two or three more minutes with you. What would you say? And, and you, you also, it could be from the book. But what what are we missing? Like, what would you say is one of the most important things overall? That we that we just need to do and get and understand about about business and people. The most the most extensive research that's been done fifty years plus Nobel Prize winning research focuses on two things. One is called long term thinking, and the other is called slow thinking. And that's versus short term thinking, which is now 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 immediate gratification, or fast thinking, which is giving no thought just making decisions quickly. So you combine the two, and what forces you to be a long-term thinker and think slowly is goals. Sitting down with a piece of paper and writing down your goals and being very clear about what you want and when you want it, and then making a plan to achieve it. Be clear about your plan. Be clear about the additional skills that you'll need because every new goal requires new skills or improved skills. And then the most important things you can do each day to achieve your most important goals. This requires thoughtfulness. It requires long-term thinking, slow thinking. It requires informed thinking. It requires focused thinking. It requires clarity, concentration. The wonderful thing about it is it really helps your mind. It's like sending your mind to a, um, an aerobics class. It makes your brain so much better and smarter, and you accomplish 10 times as much as the average person. Mm. So true, though, isn't it? Basic, basic principles. Well, Brian Tracy, I know you got to go. You got other interviews as you're as you're launching this new book today. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. Hey, Matt. Nice to talk to you. You have a great day. You bet. Take care. Again, Brian Tracy. Go go look up his website, uh, BrianTracy.com, and uh, so many books, so many resources. Again, it's isn't it interesting how you can take it back to some very basic skills, some very basic habits and uh, that that make successful people successful. Their orientation, their 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 focus, their process, um the creation of systems, slowing down their thinking a little bit, having a plan, learning. Man, just s- focusing on sales. I mean, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I th- we really want to be rich. We want our company to take off. But only 11% of your focus is on sales? But that's the majority of your work? Crazy. Uh, We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion on the other side. Do a little Coach's Corner for you. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I love uh, I love talking to people that are at the top of their field, right? The top of their game, like uh, Brian Tracy. I mean, some people are sitting there like, well, I don't like people that try to make it sound that simple. And, um, you know, you don't have to go chasing money. You don't have to go be in love with money and... But the reality is there are people, and if you've ever been around somebody, I just sat down with somebody yesterday that is running a huge 
company, multi-billion dollar company. And he, with thousands of employees and tens of thousands of employees, and it's it's interesting how organized he really is and how it all comes down to very basic principles in his mind, in his, in his head. It really is about principles. And I think that's all Brian was teaching us is there's just certain principles that are going to lead to success. You can argue against them if you want, but it's hard to argue that companies that focus on sales make more sales. I mean, if, if all of a sudden the average uh, corporation is spending 25% of their workforce, 30% of their money on creating and generating sales, and uh, you know, a little homegrown business is spending 10% on sales, wouldn't it make sense that the corporation's going to make more money? Right? That's not brain surgery. And yet, as a small business owner, it's hard to focus on sales if you don't love sales. I'd rather create content any day, but that's useless if no one's going to go sell the content. So if you want a company to succeed, you really need to do what works. How about just long-term thinking versus short-term thinking? Have you been so busy just living your life day in and day out that you didn't plan ahead for something down the road? Have you ever had a trip that you knew you were going to take in, you know, six months from now? And then you waited till three weeks before to get your passport? Oh, just long-term thinking, you know, it helps. It's not perfect, but it, it can certainly help. So anyway, it's uh, it's just some basic information. Um, and uh, But also, I think if you just look at, uh, like, Brian Tracy's success rate, it's pretty good. Pretty good. If you're selling millions and millions of books a year, you're doing you're doing okay. Doesn't make doesn't mean it's all perfect and great, but he's living his principles. He is creating sales. He is an entrepreneur. He is looking long term. If you're trying to grow a business, you probably ought to grow some of those principles as well. But there might be more uh, other things we can be doing. Let me give you a few more that that will definitely impact your ability to to live better. We might actually need to go back into our lives and eliminate some things, right? Get rid of certain things. There's a listen to this story of a 90-year-old woman um, from Michigan decided to turn her cancer diagnosis into an excuse to travel across the United States. The woman named Norma is accompanied by her son Tim, daughter-in-law Ramey, and their poodle Ringo. And they are out documenting their adventures via Facebook page, Driving Miss Norma. (laughs) Norma learned of her cancer within two weeks of her husband's death and told her son prior to the diagnosis that she had no interest in treatment. Her son and his wife then explained to the doctor they would be driving her around the country in her RV and ultimately receiving his blessing. As doctors, we see what cancer treatment looks like every day, he said. ICU, nursing homes, awful side effects, and honestly, there is no guarantee she will survive the initial surgery to remove the mass. 
You're doing exactly what I want to do in this situation. Have a fantastic trip, the doctor said. In August, the family upgraded their motorhome to a larger 36-foot model and began their trip by traveling to Mount Rushmore in South Dakota before continuing through the country, visiting other landmarks, historical sites such as Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Ramey uh, told ABC News that in addition to seeing the sites and gaining more than 100,000 likes on her Facebook page, Norma's health seems to be improving. How cool is that? She's getting better, maybe, or at least feeling better. She's receiving the benefits of being different, doing something different. Notice she set a goal. She's figured out how the goal is going to work. What a great way. If, if, you gotta, if you got cancer and you got to deal with cancer, it sure sounds like a better way to do it. Now, um, I have put together in the past a project I call the Project of Elimination. There are certain things that keep us stuck. And um, I'm going to, as we do this little coach's corner, go through a bunch of different tools that you might want to just get rid of. Things you just need to declutter out of your head. Think of it as like a spring cleaning. You know, as as spring comes uh, and winter's done, it's time to clean out the house. Back in the day, remember, they'd bring out the rugs and they'd beat up their rugs to get all the dust out of them. It's time to spring clean. Let me give you a few things I'd suggest that you start to, to let go of. Number one, let go of the stories that don't serve you. How many times have we been telling stories that we really haven't even thought about, but we use these phrases like, I'm not very good at that. Yeah, I don't do that. I'm not a math person. We might quickly dismiss something we do by saying, ah, it's just the way I am. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not, I don't like to hold the grandbabies. I, I, I want them. I'm a, I'm a grandpa that'll play with them when they're older. Well, let go of that story and pick up your grandbaby. <laughs> Get rid of the story. You don't have to be pegged by something you thought you were 30 years ago. It's not like somebody's going to say, Grandpa, do this math. So you, you don't have to be bad at math anymore. You've got a brain. You can still add. Anyway. It's simple to just sit there and have a trite phrase that we use all of the time. But many of these phrases, they're not going to help you. They beat you up. They, they actually take away something. They could take away something like time with your kids or your grandkids. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Yeah, hobbies, you know, I don't golf because it's a waste of time. Now, you don't have to go golf. But that's also a story because it could be really time well spent exercising, hanging out with friends, opening your mind up, meditating, wrapping your golf club around a tree, stuff like that. Another thing we need to let go of is the need to keep score. Let's just get very clear, folks. Life isn't fair. So if it's not fair, then there's probably no value in keeping score. <laughs> People are going to step on you. They're going to make mistakes Someone's going to pull in front of you, and it is going to slow you down ten hundredths of a second. Yeah, it happens. Doesn't mean you need to chase them down and pull in front of them. The reason why it, it's not useful to keep score is because much of life is intangible anyway. The greatest benefits in life 
are intangible. There's, they're not even, you can't mark it. You can't compare it. The joy you feel being with a grandchild, the joy you feel watching your child have a home run or hit a home run in a game, man, that's incredible. And why are we keeping score? It's not fair. At some point, people are going to step on your toes. They're going to do stupid stuff. This isn't a race. This is called life. So if you feel a need to keep score constantly, then guess what? You're going to pay for it. There's going to be problems for you. Another thing we need to let go of are what I call the overs and the unders. Every one of us tends to take extremes in our lives. We either go overboard or under, right? So we play way too hard and excessive in what we do. We play to kill for keeps. We play to dominate. And some of us just don't play. Think about your life. Where are you overboard? Well, I, I collect figurines. I have 12,000 of them. Okay, it's a little over. Maybe you're a little overboard on that. Uh, you don't have to be a fanatic to believe in God. You don't have to go overboard or under. Yeah, I don't even go to church. You can actually go to church and just be there. Be there your way. Yeah, but then they'll ask me to pray and then I got to pray. And Well, you could say no. Overs and unders, we all do it. And sometimes it's over, you know, we're overconfident uh, and some of us are really underconfident. We lack the confidence we need. Are there certain things that take you to an extreme? Are you doing any activity excessively? Do you, do you overschedule your life? Do you overcommit to everything? Are you overly exhausted? Or do you, you know, have plenty of energy because you don't ever say yes to anything? And you don't ever step out of your comfort zone. We might want to look at that and let go of it. You might want to let go of what's not working. Sometimes in life, there's just time to let go of stuff that just isn't working. It's, it's how many times do you keep trying to do something over and over and it's just not working? We keep trying it. That could, I mean, I see it a lot with my clients where, they just keep trying and trying and trying to do to have a conversation, even though it's not working. Well, what are we supposed to do? Just not talk? Well, no, but go learn how to make it work. Find another way to do this. There are different ways to try stuff. And with today's technology and today's day and age, if, if the way you keep trying to lose weight isn't working and it hasn't for 30 years – Maybe you've got to let go of that way of losing weight. Maybe it's not about watching your calories. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's another way to skin the cat. I don't know why we're skinning cats, but... We Seems gotta, a little cruel to me. Yeah, to skin, you don't have to skin a skin cat, cat to lose weight. You don't. But find another way to do it. Just go find something you're passionate about. Well, I really love racquetball, but I, it doesn't help me with my calories. Well, okay, there's... But then go do more racquetball. You know, I don't know. Just we've got to find a different way of doing things that especially after years of something not working. Another thing we might want to do is get rid of our need to accumulate stuff. Oh, it's just stuff we keep. I kept and I have no idea why I did it. I kept every script basically for our radio show, every 
article I read, we we accumulate about 20, 30 pages of information that we use for this show every day. And I would just staple them all together and put them in a file. I threw them out. Actually, I had I had Kaylee throw them out. She broke her. She about, darn near broke her back trying to lift this, lift these papers. It's crazy. We accumulate stuff like it matters, but then when you look at people like Gandhi, you know, Buddha, Christ, these people were known for what they didn't have. They didn't try to get their identity from their stuff. Maybe we could just throw more stuff out, you know, recycle more, get rid of stuff, declutter. So I challenge you as springs are coming, let's declutter. Get in there and seriously, get rid of a third of your stuff. Well, but I might need it. Have you needed it the last 10 years? Well, no, but I might retire in 10 more years and then I might need it. Believe me, by the time you retire in 10 years, you won't need it. You'll have an iPhone that does everything for you. Another thing we might let go of is just one bad habit. Think of one bad habit. You might have 50. Ben has 250. And growing. <laughs> and growing. Just get rid of one bad habit. Just one thing. What's one thing you can just figure out how to stop doing today? One thing. Let's just get it off our plate. Oh. One bad habit. Ben, what's your bad habit you're going to get rid of? Caring too much. No, brother. Caring too much? When did that start? That's my defect. That's my only defect. My only weakness. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Don't even worry about it. Never mind. Knew I shouldn't have asked him. Just one bad habit. What's your what's your worst habit? I care too much. So I'm going to let it go and turn into a horrible, evil person. That's one of the great lines. What's your worst um, – what would you say is your worst habit uh, as we're about to hire you for this job? My worst habit is I, I try too hard. I work endlessly. You're amazing. I know. You ought to hire me. Anyway – let go of just one bad habit. So there you have it, folks. A few ideas for you. Things we can let go of. Project elimination. Let go of stories that don't serve us. Let go of the need to keep score. Let go of the overs and the unders, the extremes that we take. Let go of what is not working. Let go of the need to accumulate stuff. And let go of one bad habit. Even if that habit is you care too much. That's the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. We'll be back next hour. More tools, more ideas to help you live longer, love stronger. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning. Top of the morning, happy Mega Super Tuesday Cubed. 
Super Tuesday the 3rd. I looked it up. Yeah. There are some other names for today. What? You want to call it Super Tuesday 3, but then now you're trying to... Well, I want it hyped more. Hype that more. ABC News is calling it Mini Super Tuesday. Mini? Mini. Because Super Tuesday is 11 states. There's only five states in one territory. Yeah, but today. today there are more delegates at stake than Super Tuesday 1. But 11 versus 5? Yeah. No. They're, they're, eh. ABC missed that one. Politico, they're calling it Titanic Tuesday. Wow. How's that? <laughs> Do you like that name? That is very good. Titanic Tuesday. Uh-huh. How about Trump Tuesday? Mm, could be. Nope, not that one. By the end of the night, maybe. <laughs> uh, I like Mega Super Tuesday the 3rd. Or Mega Super Tuesday Cubed. No. I don't know. We've got we we don't have a name yet. No. Apparently the buzzer. Hmm. It doesn't approve. It doesn't approve. Yeah. Well, the buzzer don't lie. Well, this buzzer don't do much. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I don't know. Oh. Oh, why? Why do you care what just, I I was just talking about the buzzer. Yeah. Sure. <sighs> we got a great show. Last hour, if you didn't catch it, you got to go back. Listen to Brian Tracy, the guru kind of management, goal-setting, time management guru was on the show. Yeah, he seemed to know what he was talking about. Man, does he? be embarrassing. Call him a guru and he doesn't seem to know. He's, but he knows. He knows. He knows. Uh, today, by the way, is the Ides of March. Beware the Ides of March. And it's Brutus Day which is the day uh, you watch out for somebody stabbing you in the back. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Which is why I got one eye fixed on Brutus over there. Hmm. Et tu, Brute? Not going to deny it. It was you, Just watch out. Just trying to take you down. (sighs) Sabotage everything you hold dear. I remember learning about... Climb the ladder. This is something you guys don't know about me. I used to be... I, I, I took Latin... For about five years. Okay. And um, I was fluent in Latin. Why? A dead language. Just so you could Just because that's have what something they, to say at parties? They wanted that. That's what was expected of us at my private school where they send really smart people. Hmm. My it- brother speaks fluent Latin and he went to one of the worst, like the lowest performing schools in the nation. Did, yeah, really? Yeah. yeah, that's different than me. Yeah. He speaks a uh, higher quality of Latin. Yeah. Sure. So I speak like uh not peasant Latin. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I speak yeah. Ivy League Latin. Yours is like your brother's Latin slang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More like so. dialect almost. Yeah. yeah. More of a pigeon. Like a pigeon <laughs> Latin. Yeah. Pigeon. Or yeah, pig, yeah. maybe a piggish type of Latin. A pig Latin. A pig Latin. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Of the swine variety. <laughs> I used. I actually have a yeah. No, I don't want to so brag. What do you use the Latin for, Matt? I use it for a lot of things. When you're at a Super Bowl, when I want to figure out what Super Bowl it is. Okay, I those can, are Roman numerals, right? Latin, it's not Latin. Roman. No, no, very similar. Nah. No, totally. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I remember reading about Julius Caesar and and studying about his life in my Latin class. Etu brute. Mm-hmm. 
That's all you know, right? Uh, Carpe Diem. Okay. Um, Dead Poet Dis- Society. Pluribus Unum. That's on the. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm fluent. Mm, no, it, it's almost like me with the Spanish language, where I say taco. No, or like you. I'm also spa- I'm also fluent in Spanish. Not to brag. Adios. Adios. <laughs> yeah, or like you watched Vaya a couple Dios. of movies that no. that had those phrases in them. No. No. Enough Robin Williams. I lived in Argentina for two years, and that's where I'm glad I was fluent in Latin. Street signs? What? Restaurant no. menus in Latin? The funny thing is is there's not a lot of places to use your Latin, so mm. I've kind of lost it. Okay. That's kind of what I'm thinking. You would because you're not using it. I went to Latin America. Yeah, it's different. Totally different. They different. speak like Spanish there. Yeah. Some Portuguese. Yeah. Anyway. Well, be South America. Yeah, it's hard. Super Mega Tuesday, the third. Florida, Ohio, Missouri, North Carolina, Illinois, up for grabs. Take your pick. Somebody is going to walk away really close to a nomination today. It is could Mar- be Hillary. Is Marco Rubio Marco going to finish third and have a celebration that is somehow a victory for him? No. If Marco Rubio finishes third in his home state of Florida, they're in trouble. He's done. He's just going to probably pack it in, go start mowing his lawn tomorrow morning. Because we've had, what, 20 contests. Mm-hmm. He won in Minnesota. Yep. And in, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. That's yep. right. I thought there was a second one. Puerto Rico. And he's had a victory speech almost every night. See, but you got to love that about him. He's He can find positive. the positive. Yeah. Again, Marco Rubio in any other series would be doing incredibly well. Right? Historically. The last 20 or 30 years. That's why... She was so afraid. Hillary was so afraid of him. But she has no idea what's a coming. They're going to unleash the Trump Kraken. The Trump train? And it is going (laughs) to get crazy. Now, he may not win, but let's just say sometimes not winning might just be because two people are are bleeding out. He may just go with burn it all down and let's let everybody else watch. Well, why wouldn't he? Which could be interesting. No. No? That's just scary dangerous. Oh. I guess do, you, I'm, do you not know that? I'm looking at the wrong things here. <laughs> yeah. It could be really interesting. It do, really you, do, you think, be. do you think there's a large portion of the country that's not paying attention right now and uh, will pay attention when, it, when we get down to two candidates? Uh, I think pretty the much. general Well, election? yeah, I would say, yeah, except every, I think more people than ever are paying attention. Normally, they wouldn't be paying attention. But I think Trump makes it so you can't not pay attention. Like he's on all of the late night shows. They don't even need writers anymore on late night television because Trump just talks. They just play some audio, then react and uh-huh. play some more. And yeah. So I, I think he's actually probably – that was probably the case five months ago. But now I think people are engaged and some are sitting there thinking he must be stopped. He must be stopped. And that's just family members of Trump. <laughs> Aren't they all on his campaign working with him? That's what you'd think, huh? Okay. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't so know. So you're talking about his kids? Are they working against him? No. They they like him. They think he's great. They know who he is. is they, they get him. Is that because they don't want to get written out of the will? Yeah, you don't want Trump, daddy Trump mad at you. That would be bad. 
I just think he's he's an interesting character, and but he's more presidential than anybody. Second only. Well, he can be. Well, yeah, when he chooses to be. But right now he's got to win the nomination. So you know, right now I got to crack some heads. And as Bernie Sanders said, not Bernie, but um, Ben Carson. Yeah, he said that he is a great guy, just not the guy you see out in public. Yeah, that he has these great qualities. He's a great leader, great thinker. Yeah. I'm convinced. Very creative, but not necessarily what you see on TV. No, I think that's exactly right. I think he sa- he'll say anything. And I think a lot of this is more – I think a lot of people think he just stumbles into things. But I think he really, truly is calculating. And he knows if he creates this fervor now, it will go away by tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And Nothing sticks. Just no. keep moving. I mean, really, nothing sticks. Don't admit to it. Keep moving, and it just it goes away because goes you away. do something else. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It's just like the really big kid in eighth grade or sixth grade when you're in second grade, third grade. You can do anything. The big kid in sixth grade can just bully. What are they, they going to do? Yeah. And then, I didn't say that. Donald. <laughs> I mean, not to disparage. But remember how this all started and everyone thought, oh, he's done. Well, the minute he puts down McCain. When he's coming down the escalator to his casino or his <laughs> hotel or whatever that was to announce he's going to run for president, you're like, okay, fine, that whatever. Was, this is that, fun. That was a strange optic. Yeah. Then like, that, that was the – he first brought up the wall. Yeah. He started talking about who's coming across the border and everyone's mad. And like, okay, this is done. Yeah. And it kept going. No. And then McCain and then the border. And then – And you thought the McCain thing. Oh, that you thought that was it. Oh, there he goes. Up oh, there he goes. He's a loser because he got caught. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to look at him and think he's some sort of war hero because he was caught. I don't like guys that get caught. Like, what? Well, and What's so, he talking about? Well, that, and that's why all of a sudden Hillary thinks. So if it gets down to Hillary and Trump, they really, she really thinks this. People are going to go logic. I mean, do do they think they're just going to nominate Trump just to get him to go against Hillary, and then we'll give it to Hillary? People. I don't know that you're going to get logic. I don't think – I think people that are voting for Trump aren't there because it's logical. They're there because they're ticked off because somebody could – there's so much money in politics that you could leave the White House poor and have $130 million in your bank. Right. <laughs> there's something wrong with that. Yeah. There's just something weird. I don't know. Uh, we will um, – we will get to that. But we've also got a great interview we're going to play with Matt by uh, about basically politics and um, kind of the sensationalization of it. Well, how would you say it? The, the overplay that sometimes happens when um, – it, it moves away from – It's like tabloid Issues. It moves away from the substance of, OK, here's your tax plan. How is yeah. that going to affect middle America? And turns into you know what hair product you use mm-hmm. or what, what did you say at your campaign rally that offended somebody? And it turns into those issues and, and it kind of draws attention away from what normally would be focused on during a, a political campaign would be the, the, the platform, the issues. What, what, what is this person going to do for America that's different? Right. And instead, it turns into all this other shenanigans. And Matt's the author of the book, uh, NPR's best book of the year, All the Truth is Out, The Week Politics Went Tabloid. Now it's been six months. Six months politics has gone tabloid. 
Crazy. We'll, we'll have him on an interview we did with him. But first, let's get to Terry and find out what's going on around the rest of the world. Terry? So we've been talking about this morning, Super Tuesday 3, and you have the, uh, let's see if I have them there, Illinois, North Carolina, Ohio, Florida, and Missouri. Those are the five states. There's one territory that has a caucus today. Do you know what that is, Matt? Guam. No. A territory. A territory. American uh, Samoa. No. Uh, is it that little territory that they took over up in Oregon? No, that that has been returned to the federal government. Okay, that's good news. Okay. So no, they're I not. Have, that would be interesting if they had their own caucus. What would yeah. happen there? Northern Mariana Islands oh. in the South Pacific. Mm. Nine delegates up for up for grabs. Did anybody make a trip there? No, but Did, they do have campaigns, and there are representatives from each campaign on the island. Did Trump do a flyby? Trump won seventy three percent of the vote. Oh, wow. Nine delegates across the 15 islands that make up that chain. 30 televisions, nine delegates. So big news there. Yeah. Nine delegates, 73% of the vote. Apparently, uh, Ted Cruz got 24% of the vote. Wow. So just just keeping the numbers, keeping it real there. The real focus being on Ohio and Florida today as the Republicans might be able to make uh, inroads against Donald Trump, but uh, we'll see what happens as... Florida seems to be decided. Seems to be a 20-point lead. Ohio, John Kasich is making a a challenge. We'll see if he can maintain that throughout the day. Los Angeles police were testing a folding buck knife that was discovered buried on O.J. Simpson's former Rockingham estate, but officials reportedly hit a dead end when the knife contained no traceable traceable DNA. Mm. Go figure. It was in the ground for five, six, seven years. They say that the microbes in the soil would probably have degraded any DNA that was on the knife. The knife was reportedly unearthed years ago, perhaps during the 1998 demolition of the home, and was kept by an LAPD cop until recently. Wow. So, the knife means nothing. Because there's no evidence. But it's a great story. But hey, there's a knife. National Football League officials and player and the Players Union are inching closer to a deal that would strip Commissioner Roger Goodell of his power to discipline players off the field. This according to the Wall Street Journal. Though a deal is yet to be reached, NFL Players Association Executive Director Demarius Smith says he remains optimistic about a potential agreement. One option would include creating positions for three neutral arbitrators who would form a disciplinary council to hear Hmm. all issues. Right now, the way it works is if there's an issue, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, would uh, put out the, the penalty, assess whatever money fine goes with it. If there was an appeal, he would hear the appeal. And then because he's the guy that sent down the punishment, he would more more than likely deny the appeal and they would just move on. Wow. So he's the judge, jury, and executioner. And the players union's like, wait a second, this isn't a good idea. Yeah, we don't like that. Especially since three recent uh, rulings the commissioner's done have been overturned in court Hmm. or by an an independent arbitrator. Are we having our meeting today? Yes. I'd like to be called the commissioner. You want to be called the commissioner? Mm-hmm. I just think that sounds is, is cool. Is talent just not good enough for you? Well, talent when I'm being talented, commissioner when I'm uh, just legislating. Okay. Make that known today. Okay. Uh, the Global Times, China's state-run newspaper. I know you read it often. Every now. day. Can't wake they up They issued it. an editorial to weigh in on our current electoral process. Oh, great. <laughs> The 500-word editorial essentially boiled down to, how's that whole democracy thing working out? Because unlike China, with its glorious and strong single-party system, the United States and its ilk are subject to democracy's inevitable bickering. 
Bickering that can and has become dangerous. Fistfights among voters who have different political orientations is quite common in developing countries during election seasons. Now, a similar show is shockingly staged in the U.S., which boasts one of the most developed and mature democratic election systems. Wow. So they're, they go on. There's yeah. other things they, they point to, but, but China's looking down their one-party system nose at the United <laughs> States. Whatever. What do they know? I don't know. They've thousands of years of history of of their country yeah they've had a of being china and emperors they've never had a trump okay they might have you don't know the trump dynasty they've had lots of dynasties i know but not a trump dynasty it's a different kind of dynasty (laughs) totally it turns out the humans humans aren't so great at doing the whole walking thing you you said one of your powers yeah One of your athletic abilities is walking. Yeah, I walk. According to researchers at Indiana's Purdue University, people are surprisingly bad at walking despite thousands of years of evolution and practice. Researchers asked college students to record their falls over a 16-week period, with the majority of falls occurring while students were walking, 58%. Most of those falls happened because of a slip, 48%, or a trip. 25%. 25%. The Telegraph reports because the study shows that not just old people are prone to falling, falling, researchers deduce that the act of walking is, quote, inherently difficult for humans. Whatever. Are you kidding? That was done on a campus? Outside, we know where those falls are happening. Outside our studio is yeah. a stairway. Yeah. People trip on coming up those stairs all the time. Do they really? Yeah. Those are stairs. Yeah. That's not walking. It's walking. That's staring. Staring? Well, I mean, stairs are hard. Let's get real. People trip over just – there's nothing in the carpet as they're walking and they trip. Hmm. You know, the, the, you see a football player walk down a field, he'll trip and fall. Yeah. Said it was a turf monster that got him. Uh, <laughs> Reached up, took off his foot, took him down. Just took him right down. Just walking is difficult for people. Well, but it shouldn't be. Shouldn't be, but they're saying that the study okay. shows that it is. Let's – It's a study. Recent study by university says. Rollerblading? It's difficult. Difficult. Yeah. Uh, Downhill skiing? Difficult. Ice skating? Mm -hmm. Difficult. Okay. Uh, Running a marathon? Difficult. Over terrain? What do they call that when you're running over terrain stuff? Difficult. Okay. Walking? Easy. Except all these people fell. I know, but they were at a university. They probably were inebriated. Were they texting, do you think? Texting and, yeah, under the influence of... Texting and under the influence. It's not a good mix. Not good at all. Hey, um, we will take a break, folks. When we come back, uh, we've, we're going to be getting to um, uh, Matt by a great uh, uh, journalist and uh, our, uh, author of a book, All the Truth is Out, The Weak Politics Went Tabloid. We'll get into that when we come back. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it seems that our current election is gaining more attention from the public than in previous years. Could this be because a celebrity is in the running? Is there anything, uh, you know, about the glamour, the gossip of entertainment, uh, you know, that's grabbing more attention to this political season? Of course. Why are Americans really more interested this year than in the past? It's probably because Donald Trump is there. We interviewed a man named Matt By. Matt is the author of NPR's best book of the year, All the Truth is Out, 
The Week Politics Went Tabloid. And in the interview, we discussed uh, how one event in history could have probably changed how we view our presidents and the American values. And uh, I started the interview basically talking about uh, and, uh, Gary Hart. So one week – this is what I said right as I started it. One week of politics with Gary Hart back in the day changed it all. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, and, and I think it's important you know, when we talk about this, Matt, to understand when I say the week politics went tabloid, right, not that – Absent Gary Hart in this scandal that, as you point out, you know, nobody under a certain age really even knows about it. Right. Not not that that changed uh, politics and political journalism, but that politics and political journalism were going to change, that Mm. there were a lot of forces churning in the society that were going to change the way we thought about politicians and covered campaigns uh, and had our public discourse. And it had to manifest itself in some moment. And the moment when you can really put your finger on it and say something really changed here was that this week in 1987 that is largely forgotten. And, and it is – you can draw a direct line from what happened to Hart in 87, and, and he was you know, the Hillary Clinton of his day, the presumed nominee, so he was a major political figure. Yeah. And what happened to him at that point, you, know, you can really draw a line straight to Donald Trump, I think. The last few months have been fascinating to me, having you know, written about this, because you know, the, the, what happened in that moment is what the, is what the – the social theorist Neil Postman had posited only two years before, which is that we were becoming a society where you couldn't separate politics from entertainment, mm. that the lines between stories on television and our public discourse were blurring in a very dangerous way. I think you know, Postman was prescient. Two years later, you had the heart scandal. I think that is the beginning of something that you can see in the culture. But when you look at the reality show that is Donald Trump, uh, and even at the great sort of stirring narrative that is Ben Carson, when you look at what's driving this campaign to this point, uh, it is so rooted in entertainment and story arcs. Yeah. So little to do with governance. And I think it is I think I think we're reaching a dangerous place now in our politics where after 25, 30 years of this, uh, we are we are re- we have really lost the, the line between our entertainment and our candidacies. And I think if you want to understand how, where we began to go in a different direction, I think you have to understand what happened in 1987. And teach us, because what what was it like before that? I mean, it, it I guess it was never, you, the ratings for political news was never about the, the titillating behind the scenes story. It was always no, no. I mean, I mean, character and personality, of course, have always been part of politics. Right. It goes back, and people will always tell you, "Well, what about Hamilton and Jefferson?" And yes, it goes all the way back. There were some significant differences, you know, before 1987, and, and let's just stick in the 20th century because yeah. I think that's what's relevant, right? The advent of television, uh, the you know, even you know, going back to the strong presidency that begins, in a sense, with Theodore Roosevelt, right? Uh, personal lives do become issues in our politics at times, but only when they burst out into public view and become political issues first. In other mm. words, the media doesn't drag public lives, private lives into the open. You have, you know, Nelson Rockefeller divorcing his wife to marry a woman half his age, and that has an impact on his Republican prospects, and it has to be covered. Chappaquiddick, which you started yeah. out talking about, right? Ted Kennedy drives off a bridge drunk, a woman dies. That, you're, not, you're not keeping that out of the discourse because <laughs> that, that had a significant impact on him politically. But before 1987, a couple things are true. One is that doesn't destroy you necessarily. In other words, it doesn't become the totality of, of, yeah. of your career. Nelson Rockefeller goes on to become vice president. Ted Kennedy becomes a legend in the Senate after that. So it, it's not the end of you. It's, it's only a part of you. 
uh, and, and, and as I said, reporters don't go, go looking for it. Uh, that changes in 87 when you have reporters from the Miami Herald literally staking out the presumed Democratic nominee at his home mm. and confronting him in an alley outside late at night, demanding to know who's in his house. Uh, and at that point, you know, what happens in that week is that it becomes all-consuming. Nothing else you've done in public life matters. There is no context. The scandal simply washes him away and a lifetime's worth of work and leadership. And he was a really visionary politician, which is part of what makes the story interesting and tragic. Yeah. So I think you know, we, that is the beginning of what you know, we now consider to be a sort of normal political coverage. Now, and how does that, in a way, contrast it for me, how it differs from Nixon? But I guess Nixon's was a political move gone public versus Gary's was a private move gone public. Yeah, but there's a real connection. I mean, it's a, it's a great point, Matt. There is a there is a real connection here because you know part of what happens, as I say, there were a lot of a lot of dynamics in the culture were churning to change this. Right from the rise of feminism, the rise of the moral majority, mm. uh, the advent of the satellite dish, which is huge in the early 1980s. You know, CNN launches in 1981. You have the beginning of the sort of yeah. punditry culture by the 24-hour news culture. Yeah, yeah, 24-hour news is right around the corner, and you can see it. You know, you can see the heart scandal is the first of its kind, where you're going to get these breathless reports around the clock, and that changes the nature of a story. Right, you're not thinking through the context, so you can report it at six o'clock anymore. But the, but the fascinating, you know, the interesting thing about Watergate is that one of the things that's going on, maybe the most important, is that you have a new generation of reporters coming on the campaign buses in the late mid to late 1980s. And they are, the, they are inspired by Watergate. They're younger. They, they, you know, in another era, they might have been lawyers or Wall Street bankers, but they're drawn to journalism because of the example of Woodward and Bernstein and the inspiration that that had, had brought a lot of kids. And for them, Watergate is really significant because much as we sort of lionize Woodward and Bernstein, they were cops reporters, right? The political press corps had completely missed this. They right. Nixon for 20 years. He apparently had some significant flaws psychologically <laughs> uh, and some corrupt, outright corruption, and nobody had gotten to it, and nobody had covered it, and nobody had asked the question, how sane is this guy? So there is a feeling among these younger reporters when they come on to the campaign trail that part, and a huge part of their job, A, is to protect the country from liars, is to be moral police, is to make sure that somebody with a basic issue of morality doesn't ascend to the White House again. And B, they understand that the greatest calling of their industry has changed, right? Mm, If you can bring down a politician in scandal, you can become rich, you can become famous, you can have movies made about you. That was not the goal of political journalism before Watergate. And and that, that echo of Watergate is really what uh, what you can hear sort of reverberating around the the brick walls behind Gary Hart's townhouse right. when those reporters corner him and and later in that week when you have a reporter from the Washington Post asking him in front of a national audience have you ever committed adultery which is a question no candidate to that time had ever <laughs> unbelievable and and then you can see uh, th- this is why you said earlier that this was going this was inevitable th- th- there was going to be a yeah. shift to tabloid especially cuz the advent of internet hadn't even impacted the political spectrum yet. I mean, then all of a sudden, Drudge and right. Clinton. I mean, then it's a whole different ball game, too, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, if it hadn't been hard, it would have probably been Bill Clinton a couple of years later, who would have been the first to walk into this. As it was, Clinton got to see Hart's example. Mm. He learned a little bit about how to handle it. And I think one of the fascinating things that happens. In that moment, and we're still working through this in the internet age because TV has is already 
you know, giving way now to the online culture. Uh, but you know, one of the things that happens is that our definition of a qualified and sort of dazzling and talented politician, political leader, really changes in the years after 1987. Right? Prior to that time, you know, when you talk about political leadership, you are talking about governance, you're talking about worldviews, you're talking about, in many cases, the, 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 the proclivity to stick to your guns, right? to hold the line on principle. Yeah. Even when uh, even when the winds are blowing a different way, post 1987, I think we begin to attribute this idea of political genius, for instance, to Bill Clinton, uh, because of the ability to evade the traps, the ability to get around the scandals, the ability to survive, to get hit, but instead of going away like Gary Hart, to get back up and and fight another day and outmaneuver your enemies, and that that is a skill. Yeah. I think you can reasonably ask yourself, is it the skill that defines political leadership? Is it the thing we should be seeking out in our right. leaders? Is it, is it okay that we say, well, a guy, you know, that guy, Bill Bradley, was the first presidential candidate I covered. Is it okay that we say, you know, Bill Bradley's a really bright guy and, and knows what he believes, and, you know, but he doesn't have the skill. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, the drive or mm-hmm. the evasive skill to handle the presidential <laughs> process. Is that okay that we've created a process that demands an entirely different set of skills than the ones that might be necessary to govern? Oh, it's such a it, – uh, it's a great question, isn't it? And it's – I mean with the wake of all of these other people that are somehow floating into our system simply because they're either a name, they've made their name on TV, they're whatever, right. attractive. I mean I just think of Sarah Palin's. I think of – um, I mean, Bill Bradley is a great example. He played basketball, right? Right. And right. and yeah. so so it's almost like it, it immediately helps you, and you can be in a great governor or a great leader, and or and still, but now you have to be a dancer and a shuckster and a jiver, and you have to be able to somehow maneuver. And I guess that's one of the things I see Hillary Clinton struggling with is yeah, well, she's not as adept. Point. Yeah, and you're getting to another point, Matt. Really, yeah, it is. She does struggle with it. But, but you're getting to another point that's really important, which is if you can do all those things, right, if you can shuck and job yeah. and, and handle the process, can you then avoid having to really have a philosophy or a worldview or even any knowledge? I mean, you look that's at Sarah true. Palin, look at Donald Trump, oh, right? Yeah. We, what we have are – we're, we're not just driving good people out of the political process and keeping good people on the sidelines because who wants to subject themselves and their family to the process we've created and to the ethos of political journalism that we've been following – but we're, we're, we're creating a very wide lane for people who really have no business holding office, uh, a certain true. higher office, That's to true. sort of glide through. Because if they can, if they can navigate the, the bright light and stay away from any debilitating scandals, yeah. uh, they don't really have to tell us what they believe. And, and we're creating a class of politicians who are actually becoming politicians either, be, either, either – based on their celebrity or because they want to be celebrity. Right. And they don't actually want to right. serve. I mean, Sarah Palin served for two years as Alaska's governor. As soon as she got famous, she got out. She hasn't run for anything else, and I don't think she ever will. Mm-hmm. She did get a reality TV show. She did get a huge, <laughs> huge fees for all of her speeches. She's become a cultural figure, yeah. and I think that's actually what she wanted. I don't think the, the, the actual governance was all that interesting to her, and I think that we, you know, we're going to get, and we can see already from this campaign, we're going to get an increasing number of that, and I'm, I'm troubled. Oh, I am too. Increasing incidents of that, and I'm, I'm troubled by the notion that we're not that we're not enabling people to tell the difference between 
political leadership and celebrity. Well, you can see it with Donald Trump talking about ratings and how he impacts the ratings. I mean, what politician ever talked about impacting the ratings for Fox and CNN? And and then yeah. and then and uses yeah. them against each other or talks about you need to pay me for this debate because so now he wants payment for debate time just because he lifts ratings. I sit there and I think, but we can't see through it because we're so in this reality TV world. It used to be tabloid journalism world, but now it's kind of this reality TV world that it's it's almost disheartening. Matt, we we got to take a break. We'll just take a quick one, but I want to come back and have you. What are we supposed to do, Matt? I mean, give me your best give me your best insight from being a fellow at Harvard Institute of Politics at Kennedy School of Government. Give me your insight from the Hoover Institution at Stanford. What on earth are we supposed to do to man, focus on what's important here politically? More with Matt by the uh, author of All the Truth is Out, The Week Politics Went Tabloid. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. Um, we're speaking with Matt By, author, journalist, screenwriter, one of the nation's leading voices on American politics. He is the national political columnist at Yahoo News and former chief political correspondent for The New York Times Magazine. His book, All the Truth is Out, The Week Politics Went Tabloid. Uh, he's joining us now. Matt, welcome back to the show, my friend. Oh, thanks. You know, it, it it is tabloid, as I thought about it during the break. Tabloid, it's it's National Enquirer leading our political process now. It's crazy. Does it? It's got to frustrate you, Matt, because you've you know you've read deeply, you've studied deeply politics. Um, how do we cut through all of this tabloid political focus? Well, it's a, I mean, it's a great and frustrating question. I'm not I'm not great on the solution, and then I also. You know, I don't think you make rules. I mean, you know, one of the no. things, if you ask people this, one of the answers you'll get, interestingly, is, well, we, may, we should limit money in politics because money is distorting, pro, you know, is distorting the process. Well, okay, but before we go do that, before we go making rules about money in politics, let me ask you, if everybody had the same amount of money to spend and limits on what they could raise and spend, don't you think celebrity would oh. be a significantly more of a problem? Yeah, not huge less? advantage, too. Right. <laughs> right. So I... So I don't, uh, you know, that I think, you know, what, what we're talking about is not a rule problem; it's a cultural right. uh, inclination. And I think, you know, one of the things I'm talking, I'm talking to political journalists, you know, because that's my industry, and and you know, I, I never, I never blame voters for trends in politics. I don't think that's fair, but I do, you know, I, I am talking to my industry. I've done this for a long time now, and I'm basically, you know, as part of this book is what is what I'm saying is. We need to be thoughtful. We got a new generation coming in, just like we had a new generation that changed things in the 1980s. And you know, we have a new generation of web-based journalists joining this business, and we—they need to think deeply about what mm. happened. They need to think deeply about how we cover this. I mean, uh, Trump is a is a fabulous example. I mean, I couldn't, uh, you know, yeah. for the purposes of my book, which is just out in paperback, I couldn't ask for more, right? right. But you know, Trump Trump comes up, and 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 look at the way we have covered this, right? I mean, I ask you this. So Donald Trump is dominant, right, for months. Yeah. This week is a little different, but let's start with the last two months. 
Anything you read, anything you watched on cable TV, Donald Trump is dominating the Republican primaries. He's winning. He's the front runner. He's far and away in the lead. He has to be talked about all the time. He has to be the subject of all the shows. His news conference has to be taken to you live. Why? He's got 25% in polls, national polls, which, by the way, are meaningless. I can tell you who led the last few national polls at right. the time in a race. You, they, they didn't even come close to winning the nomination. He has 25%. Of the Republican electorate in polls, which is about 25% of the national electorate when you're talking about primary voters. So he has a fraction. Of mm-hmm. the, when I read, what drives me crazy is I read this mindless coverage that says Donald Trump has, has captured the imagination of the American public. No, no. He has a fraction of the American electorate saying they would vote for him and so far has not been able to grow it and I think is about to lose. Right. He's starting he to has. slide, it seems like. Yeah. So, so, you know, the thoughtfulness of how we cover this stuff, to stop for a minute, why, you know, why are we giving Trump that kind of coverage? It's not because he's dominating the Republican race. That's just not true. It's because he's fascinating, and he drives ratings, and he brings clicks, and he's hilarious, and he's fun to watch. And, when we're hoping for a train wreck. thoughtful about right. that. Yeah. You know, we, need, we need as an industry, and our younger reporters who are coming in are going to be running things in 10 years, we need to be thoughtful about and understand that there's, there are there's an impact for all of this. There, there are consequences. There are, you know, bouncing balls here that you set in motion that will change the course of our politics and our history. This is not a game. Right. And I guess if you, it seems like with the whole big Fox, uh, you know, with Donald Matt at Fox News now, but it, it seems like if all the journalists were kind of on the same page that we're not letting the tail wag the dog here. We're not, we're, we've got to focus on really what's happening. And I wonder if, if he'd boycott everyone. I mean, to me, one of the lowest moments, Matt, of this campaign to this point, well, funniest but lowest, was he holds a news conference at the height of his popularity a couple weeks ago, and some reporter asked Trump about Kanye West. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. And he gives an answer about Kanye West. Oh, I love Kanye. He's a buddy of mine. And it's like leading. It's all over uh-huh. Twitter. It's all over the news. I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking... I mean, look, I think you've got to cover the guy's campaign. Sure. Seriously, I'm not, sure. I'm not one of these, like, Huffington Post said, we're not even going to cover it as a campaign. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a campaign, and it's got to be covered. It's sort of a campaign. <laughs> but, but honestly, like, we're going to ask the presidential <laughs> candidate leading in the polls about Kanye West, and that's going to lead the news? Like, we right. need to check ourselves. <laughs> totally. We, we have a responsibility. It's just that simple. And, and our responsibility is not just to clicks. Well, and do you remember and, briefs and or boxers? Do you remember that? Briefs or boxers, Mr. Clinton? Right, right. Oh. That's right. No, no, that's right. And pre-heart, you know. Yeah, no, that would have been. Right. No one's ever getting asked <laughs> whether they wear briefs or boxers. And I know. You take a guy like Gary Hart and you put him in this moment and he wouldn't even want to run and he oh. certainly couldn't navigate the process. And, and maybe there's, you know, maybe there's something to be said for uh, candidates who can who, who can connect in a more accessible, more direct way with voters. But But we do have to ask ourselves whether the process rewards the same set of mm-hmm. skills that you actually think you, you, you want from someone who governs the country, particularly at a moment when a lot of the answers are hard, they're not fun to hear, they're not easy, uh, and the realities and the reality of sort of transformation economically and globally is quite complex. Oh, Matt, I love it, and I love the book. Um, the book is All the Truth is Out, The Weak Politics Went Tablet. I, I can only imagine what 20 more years of this looks like. Great stuff. Uh, Matt By everybody, go check out the book. All the Truth is Out, and you can go to his website, mattbuy.com. Buy is B-A-I, mattbai.com. 
Great stuff, folks. We've got to change the discussion and the dialogue. If we don't change the dialogue, we're going to just keep having the same problems over and over again. Great stuff to have people with their mind wrapped around this. We'll take a break. Come back. Uh, stick with us, friends. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to be uh, shooting it down to a duo that should be on Broadway singing, you know, the greatest songs ever. Who better than our friends from BYU Sports Nation, Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Matthew. I just gave you a little intro where I thought you guys could just, you know, sing us a little something. What if we called an audible and didn't sing anything during today's hit? Or what if we played you something? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are What are you Was that is that your ringtone? That's Trogdor the Burninator from uh, Homestar Runner. <laughs> Trog- you know, you Bassett Men's Hoops is playing uh, Alabama Birmingham. Yeah, they're the Blazers. They're the Blazers. They're the Dragons. But, but their mascot is a Dragon, and it looks like Trogdor the Burninator from Homestar Runner. Um, so okay. Tomorrow I'll be wearing my Trogdor shirt on the show. Okay, this is something. Trogdor the Burninator <laughs> from what? It's from it's from a website called HomestarRunner.com. <laughs> oh, my heavens. It sounds dark. It was a dragon man. <laughs> you need to listen to it. Also, I'm emailing you the link right now. It's, you know what? I don't know that you need to do I'll that. I'll tweet it at you. It's okay, nonsense. I tweet it over. Um, it's... It, it, wow, I I'm speechless. Trogdor, the Burninator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those that are unfamiliar, like what in the world was that? Well, it just, Burninating the peasants. <laughs> <laughs> I um I end up just listening to the Mo, the Motab uh, in the morning. Sure you do. And then I I like to throw down some Trogdor the Burninator at Doctor Matt show. Is that still yeah. what you're going? Yeah, with? yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Burninating okay. the countryside. Man. I, just, I just tweeted it. I was gonna. I was going to have you. Um, I was going to have you just like you know, because you guys know show tunes. You, but then then you just went. You took this really dark, dark, evil turn. Oh. Well, yeah. When the dragon's burninating the peasants, that is dark. You're what, right. what exactly is burninating? Uh, it's something related to fire. Mm-hmm. Burn, is it burnage? Yeah. Bur- burn bur- notice. Yeah. Something like that. Burnification. Burnification. Burnness esqueness. <laughs> Burninating. Burninating. Is this related to Bernie Sanders in any way? Bur- oh, maybe. This is. This is uh, yeah, Bernie like Sanders has burninated a few things. Yeah, he is Trogdor. Did you see the gif yesterday of him like scaring Donald Trump? No. Okay, I got, I'll send that to you as send well. Send that as I got, well. I got a lot of sense Man, you, you guys, you, you're, out, you're out doing a lot of research, research for me. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You guys, great. Hey, uh, did you hear about? I'm sure you didn't. BYU women. They Are you sure we didn't. This, this is all we pay attention to. Uh, oh, is it, oh, so you did hear I that? I just DM'd you. Yeah, on I did. Twitter. You? Okay. The GIF of Bernie Sanders scaring Donald Trump. We actually call that a GIF over here. <laughs> is it GIF or GIF? Everyone says GIF. I think the original it, dude said GIF. GIF uh, sounds uh, right to I me. I should say GIF. Yeah. It's like a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Ben here calls it a GIF. Which is like totally off. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. 
totally off. So on your show, I know you will get into the uh, the women's the burnination, the bur- burnification of Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Women's hoops got a seven seed, ties for the highest seed ever by the women. Uh, they play Saturday in the uh, NCAA tournament, which is very cool. Really cool. Have you guys already done your brackets? No, I I kind of wait till Wednesday. That's the last just, thing I do, and then yeah. I just fill it out real quick. I do not research anything. I why? No, I just, why do you wait so long? My sons have already done like ten. No, you just. I don't know. Like honestly, I see the selections, and I've already made ninety percent of my picks. Like when those first round matchups are announced, when yeah. I see it for the first time. I can already tell you, oh, like, yeah. I'm I'm picking that team. I'm picking Nova's that team. Nova's winning that, that matchup. Yeah, I'm not going to dig into the guard play and injury. No, there's 68 teams. Why would I do that? Do you know what? I'm watching your um... <laughs> Trogdor. Are you watching Trogdor? I'm watching or Bernie Bernie slide up and scare, <laughs> <laughs> and scare the Trumpster. Okay, that is on our. Oh, that is funny. That is. <laughs> And he jumps. It's amazing. And security <laughs> crazy, then goes. crazy that he got in there. You know? Oh, that is classic. That's what so you do, man. That is what you do, and you you don't just do it. You guys do it well. <laughs> Thanks, Holy. LL Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to break into song, but on your show you're going to cover women's basketball. Wait, we already did break into song like four times. Trogdor. No, but Trogdor. I- <laughs> <laughs> don't ruin your voice. Don't, don't clip that off. We man. need to talk about baseball. Well, he laughed, so they can't. Yeah. We need to talk about baseball. They got ranked yesterday for the first time in 22 years, man. Ooh, dude, I was ranked once. You're you're among the top 10 shows on no. uh, BYU Radio. Oh, for sure, uh, for sure, for yeah. sure. They they they're Number ranked in the top the, 20. Uh, morning show. BYU seven, seven to ten. You <laughs> BYU no. baseball. That's huge. They're number okay. Now the, this poll goes to thirty, so that is beneficial. If it was only twenty-five, you wouldn't be in it. They're 29th, 15 and one record. They play Utah tonight Ooh. on BYU Radio and uh, BYU TV. 80 okay, soon. okay. Utah. It's supposed to snow today. That's the it, problem. Though I have snow on my front lawn. I'm I'm sorry. You must live in Salt Lake County. Mm-hmm. I uh, I'm planning on taking the Weeblos tonight, <laughs> but I don't want one of them to die. Yeah. Maybe so don't I'm take. considering not going. Well, I'd see if there are any frail Weeblos. Some may not know what a Weeblo is. That's, yeah, a, we, that's a Boy Scout, Logan, a Cub Scout. Logan, he's kind of frail. We're going to have to be careful. Logan needs an extra coat yeah. and some hand warmers. Yeah. Maybe you could just hold him tight. Mm, there's probably rules against that. Well, his mother can come and hold his him. Dad's, uh, his dad's coming. Okay, so great. His dad Mike will hold coming. him tight. Yeah. Is, uh, when you, so you're going to take the whole game, uh, team or – what do they call it? Weeblo's uh, troop to the, the game. A pack. There you go. Yeah. Sorry, no offense. Aquila. Okay, that's uh, okay. Um, that's great. <laughs> that sounds great. So, anything else on your show today? I got to let you go. You Jeff guys. Jeff Judkins will be in. Okay. And then the uh, University of Alabama Birmingham play by play. David Crane will mm. join us as well to break down the NIT matchup. Tomorrow. Oh wow! And we're going to talk about Jetty Face. Ooh. You're going to have to tune in to see. Juddy face. Jeff Judkins mm-hmm. face. The face he made when he saw the matchup compared oh. to the rest of the group in there was hilarious. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, Juddy we're face. We're going to tweet it out. Okay. We're going to tweet it out. Okay. Uh, we're also going to show it on BYU TV. Okay. That's great. Okay. Great show, gentlemen. Appreciate your time. Thank you for introducing me to Trogdor Burnification. Burninating. Burninating from Homestar. <laughs> Dragon man. <laughs> <laughs>
Goodbye, Matthew. We'll, we'll bring that up again tomorrow. Thanks, okay. guys. Peace out. <laughs> They're out of control. Yeah, man, they are on fire. Their show today is going to be incredible. They have a, they have a Judkins face. That's going to be great. We need, we need more stuff like that. Now we have a great new theme song, Trogdor Burningham. Hey, um, you know, we always like to help any way we can. Um, this is a story for any would-be thieves. Make sure if you're going to get arrested uh, consistently and publicly, make sure that you have a last name that isn't embarrassing. For example, police in California said a suspect with the last name of Loser oh, come on! was arrested on suspicion of stealing from several Walmart stores. Marietta police said a Walmart loss prevention worker summoned officers to the store Sunday after spotting a suspicious car that matched the description of a vehicle seen during several thefts at Walmart stores in the area. Police said the car had two different license plates. Neither matched the information of the vehicle. The driver, identified as Brady Loser, 48, consented to a search of the vehicle. Police said officers found drug paraphernalia and a set of tools Loser allegedly admitted to stealing earlier in that day. Loser was identified by the worker as the suspect in the previous burglary at the location. He was booked into Southwest Detention Center on charges including possession of drug paraphernalia, possession of controlled substance, commercial burglary, grand theft, and possession of stolen property. What a loser. What a loser. Him and his whole family. That's right. That is a family of losers, if I've ever seen one. Anyway, change your name. You could be a winner. Change your name to winner. That would have been funny. Winner caught stealing. Hey, as you know, we like to always end with this hero story. We got a great hero story today. It happens to be a dog named Jedi. He is a diabetic alert dog named Jedi, and he may have saved the life of his sleeping seven-year-old boy, after uh, the black Labrador alerted its owners that the child's blood sugar levels dropped to dangerously low levels in the middle of the night. Luke Nuttall was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was about two years old, and his blood sugar levels needed to be monitored around the clock. To help keep uh, uh, tabs on Luke's levels, the Nuttall family acquired a dog trained to monitor blood sugar through smell. No alarms were going off, so they put Luke to bed. And a Jedi goes into the same room with him. Everyone was asleep in the house when the child's levels dropped. No alarms were going off. No one was checking the blood. No one was thinking about diabetes. And it's in those moments when our guards are down, when we are just, uh, you know, living life, when we let our minds drift from diabetes, and they needed some help from this great little dog named Jedi. Apparently, Jedi jumped up off the bed, ran in, and tried to wake the mom up. Dory explained the mother. She said, I was barely awake and the dog kept jumping up on the bed and down and up and down. And uh, then, you know, went in, checked Luke's glucose monitor and said the blood level was steady at 100. So I told Jedi we would watch and see. And he bowed again. Bowing is his, his uh, just a cue that they gave the, the dog. Anyway, the dog wouldn't give up. He refused. He kept going crazy. 
He went in, woke up Dory again, woke her up, woke her up. They went in, they pricked the boy's finger, and his levels were at 57. By Jedi's behavior, I guarantee it was dropping even faster. And so the dog saved the boy's life. Seriously cool, folks. You know, they come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? Heroes. And uh, if we all could just have a Jedi dog that could help us, uh, you know, make sure that we stay healthy and strong. That's why we bring you the show, folks, to give you the tools, the information you need. That's the show. Until tomorrow, stick with us. We'll be back again tomorrow. Stay here on the on the same station. You can listen to BYU Sports Nation. We'll talk again tomorrow. <laughs>